Hi, Lauren. Hi, Sam. Are you ready to talk about The Wrestler? I am, because after all, we are the Watchers of Movies. Special guest today. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I figured I'd join in. It's Mike Myers. Hello. Cr- yes. Composer of the theme song. Of Halloween fame. Big time. <laughs> oh. Mike, I told Lauren. It's the first time I've heard that. <laughs> I told Lauren about the time recently we went to Popeye's and there was a young girl who said, your name's Mike Myers? You like to kill people? <laughs> she had to be 16 or 17. Yeah. And that... That shit has stopped happening years ago. Wow. And maybe because of they still make Halloween movies. I just recently I don't watched know. the new one. So that resurgence is maybe making a resurgence for that comment on my name. So I'll buckle in for another 20 years of hilarity. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, my middle name is Powers. So I got Austin Powers like shit for oh, wow. when I was in, in uh, was like middle school and high school i'd be like yeah my middle name is powers like austin if you'd be like oh my god that's so cool oh, you said it though yeah i know but <laughs> i thought you meant like people would be like are you horny no. baby i used which is really I inappropriate about it all the time i was like <laughs> oh totally. okay yeah so you know it wasn't really the same thing I at a, all <laughs> i had a swimming coach when i was i was on the swim team when i was in like sixth grade and my swimming coach would call me Samantha Fox all the time. And he'd be like, you know who Samantha Fox is? And every time I was like, still, I still don't know who Samantha Fox is. Who is Samantha Fox? I believe she's a pop star. I don't know. That's That name sounds familiar, but we anyway, should look it up. He always called me that. Samantha Fox. I just Fox. wanted to join in. A singer. Yeah, I don't know. She was, I guess she was a singer. So she wasn't a, a really talented swimmer. I guess no, that's not why she he was, was a, calling she me was that. a model from East London. Oh, okay. But she it seems like she was like I don't know. I mean, she she was around like before I was born, so 1986 is when she became a singer. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. I'm glad. I guess. <laughs> it's really cool. So cool. It's the coolest. I just wanted to join in, guys. I know. It's okay. Well, my middle name is Cruz. So people I would be like, it's Cruz like Tom Cruise. And then people would be And like, they'd be like, Are you horny baby? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's what all of my Never really got it. Ask me. <laughs> just oh, some good. people are just curious. <laughs> they are, yeah. <laughs> they just gotta know. So anyway, guys, I watched couple things last night other oh. than the movie that we're going to be talking about you watched the movie last night too? i did watch oh my it last gosh night, triple yeah. feature uh no no i i watched two movies last night then i watched a mini a docuseries like a mini a docuseries a mini a docu <laughs> a mini docu a docuseries that was small it was a small one and that was like tuesday or no yesterday was tuesday like sunday maybe either way it was recently. It was yeah. in the Changing. past couple days. <laughs> so um, I watched Deep Water with Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas. And um, it was kind of like, I don't know if you'd like it, because it had major Gone Girl vibes in it. And it reminded me a little bit of a bigger splash, like a very, very tiny amount in that there was like a swimming pool. <laughs> oh, 
involved. Yeah. And um, kind of like the show You, not the great Laura Ingram show. <laughs> but There's a show called Laura Ingram on Netflix. There's I a never show s- called Laura Ingram on Netflix. <laughs> I've never seen You, but like my interest in ever seeing it is pretty low. <laughs> is it? Not You. Right. But the not show. Laura Ingram. Yeah, I don't really show. care. It's right. about a stalker, right? Yeah. So it's about this guy who like becomes obsessed with a woman. And he like just stalks her, and then eventually he usually kills her. So, oh mm-hmm. well, now I don't have to watch it. Spoiler alert! Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it reminds me of Dexter, but like less of a moral like backbone, I guess, to it. You know? Sure. So, so the title Deep Water makes me think of like an action movie, but this movie is more of like a thriller between a man and a woman. Yeah, yeah. So. It's based on a book by Patricia Highsmith. And it's like this couple where this woman is like aggressively, constantly cheating on her husband. Jeez. I mean, aggressively, like constantly, like with a new guy. And he he like gets jealous over them. But he's like weirdly like chill at the same time. So you're kind of like, what is going on in this dude's mind? And I don't want to give any spoilers away, but it, it was... Like in the beginning, this isn't a spoiler, but in the beginning, he's talking to this dude that she's like cheating on him with. And he goes, oh, yeah. Have you ever heard about that dude, Martin McRae, that that like disappeared? And, and the guy was like, yeah. And he goes, well, I killed Martin McRae. And he's just like says it with like a totally like just emotionless face. And the dude's like, <laughs> totally, dude, you killed, you killed Martin McRae, you know. And uh, and he's like, no, I I, um, I bashed his head in with a hammer. And like later they find Martin McRae and he had been shot. In Is the there head. like a hammer stuck in his? No. Oh, oh he was shot. <laughs> so, in the head. so you're kind of like, did he kill this guy or no? And so I don't want to give the rest away, but there was one moment. They should call it "What Happened to Martin McRae." <laughs> there was this one moment <laughs> where um, that was like near the end. That was so, so like movie-fied and so convenient that I was like, it almost, it almost ruined the rest of the movie. Oh, geez. Like, it was, it was just like, it worked out too perfectly. And you're like, who wrote this? Who wrote this? Patricia Highsmith, if this is you, because it probably wasn't, because it's probably some idiot that was like, I'm just going to change everything and whatever. Um, And I don't know, it it, it just, it was, it was so, it was too much. Hmm. You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. I, w- so. I was curious about that movie because I think Ana de Armas is uh, really she's up and coming and she's talented. And yeah, she's so good she in intrigues that. me. And she's very pretty. She so, is very pretty. But mm, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot of people did not like it. I enjoyed it for what it was. Is it the best movie I've ever seen? No, definitely not. Is it fun? It can be. It's kind of hmm. sexy. So there's that. Uh, but I, I do love women aggressively cheating. It's <laughs> a terrible phrase. I do find that I like Ben Affleck as, like, the older I get, the more I appreciate him as an actor. Yeah, he you has know? a lot of uh, depth, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think, he's, I think he's kind of coming into his own the older he gets, you know He's what I getting mean? out of Be- uh, Matt Damon's shadow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird when you think about his early roles, like... Goodwill Hunting was like a mega breakthrough, I think, but he also had some roles in like what Kevin Smith's early movies, yeah, yeah big time, and Days and Confused, yeah. yeah. And it you wouldn't have thought that he would 
rise to what he's become. Yeah. I don't think based on that stuff. So good for him. No, I agree. Like, yeah. he's an Oscar winner now. Yeah. And yeah, if you just watch that, you'd be like, oh, he's flashing the pan. He's- yeah. He's, I just, I think that he's good at playing like, just kind of these like really intense and like very stoic characters, you know? So I don't know. I'm, I liked him in this. I thought he did a good job. I thought Anna, Armas, Anna D. Armas did a good job. Oh, and uh, the guy that plays Noah from Kissing Booth is in it for like five minutes. Oh, Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, no. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Was he was he busy like abusing women and no, yelling at them and making them? No, but he was definitely having sex with Ana de Armas. <laughs> yeah. Sounds yeah, about right. Yeah. Two she, unsavory characters. She was like cheating on everyone with this. Like, I mean, it was. I was like, okay. Sounds yeah. pretty aggressive. <laughs> yeah, aggressively cheating is yeah aggressive. Is, wow. And, yeah. She, she was doing terrible. it right in front of him, like literally right. They were like at a party and she saw a guy takes him by the hand, walks away with him. And they're like making out later in front of all these people. And he's like watching them out the window. I want to see the movie now just to see why Ben Affleck, like if I can figure out why he didn't care that his wife was treating him like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a curiosity. I mean, I mean he does care, but I don't want to spoil anything. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and it's a brand new movie, so I don't want Is to spoil anything on here. I believe it's on Hulu. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, like, just came out. Oh. So, like, a week or two ago. Oh, my gosh. Well, so. I, I saw a movie that came out, like, a week ago. So oh, did I you? beat you. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? What was that? <laughs> no? I that didn't. was a joke? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I also watched Bad Vegan. Bad Vegan? Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix. I think I know what she did. A bonkers story. No, it's like this woman. Um, so she has this uh, restaurant called like Pure Food and Wine or something like that. And it's like all raw vegan food. And it's very, very popular. Like Owen Wilson's coming around and like Alec Baldwin goes there a bunch of times. And actually Alec Baldwin ended up meeting his wife there. Um, so... She meets this guy, and this guy convinces her that, like, he can make her dog immortal, essentially. She has this, like, dog that's, like, kind of like an emotional support dog. And it's just this terrible, horribly abusive relationship that she's in with this dude. And um, eventually she ends up giving him, like, $1.7 million in money. Like, he just keeps asking her for money. And, uh, and... And like it was just it's just a crazy story. Like I would totally recommend it because it's 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 insane. Hmm. It's insane. It's story. a real it's a real documentary. Yeah, it's a real story. Oh, I haven't heard of it. I saw I've seen the title. Yeah, it's oh. just it just yeah, it was on Netflix. Oh, another also new one. just came out. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. That sounds that does sound interesting. It's it's a it's a lot. It's like I mean, she like you feel sorry for her, but she also definitely dug the hole that she's in. You know what I mean? So you're mm-hmm. like, eh. Well, like, yeah, like this guy's a piece of shit, but like, <laughs> you're also a woman that can think and feel for yourself, and you're not making the right choices, you know. It sounds like if she thinks she her dog can become immortal, she was sort well, of doomed from the beginning. I know, I know that how that sounds. That like the whole, but I think it's it was just a long, just a lot of abuse over sure. several months, and eventually she just really wanted to believe it, or it was something that she. You know, felt like she could hold on to, even though she knew it probably wasn't real, like deep down inside. And yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I might check that one out. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Have you watched anything, Mike? Anything interesting? No. (laughs) Nothing. Okay. (laughs) The last thing I think I made an effort to watch was a rewatch of 
the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. So the series with all the mega puppetry. So that was something I'd put on while like riding my stationary bike. Is that ne- that's Netflix, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's so cool to look at. Like I think it'd be it'd be interesting to watch even if you couldn't hear or follow what was going on just because it's sort of beautifully shot and everything is handcrafted and looks so cool and otherworldly. Like it none of it resembles anything that takes place on Earth. So it's really neat. Um, yeah, it is neat. It is awesome. But is that the I, one that you told me about? I believe I did yeah. tell you. Okay. Yeah. What I have been doing is playing a video game called Hades. Ooh, yes. I've never even heard of that. It's incredible. Um, I probably put 60 or 70 hours into the game before I put it down. And when I got Zelda Breath of the Wild, and I realize I'm like a few years behind on these games, just playing them in the last year or whatever. But they're going to be classics. Each of these are going to be regarded as cl- like all-time greats um, in 20 years, I think. And I beat Zelda, and I kept playing it any, uh, for a while after that. And then eventually I thought, I want to give Hades another spin. And now I've been playing it almost every day for probably an hour. And even when you've beaten the game properly, the story keeps expanding and expanding. You, you play... it's a it's a story about Greek gods in the underworld and you play one of the lesser known gods called Zagreus. And he's sort of like a teenage male and sort of angsty and angry at his father to start. But then all the, this web of relationships. His dad is Hades. (laughs) Hades. Yeah. Hades, Lord of the underworld. I I think I'd rather have my dad be Hades and Zeus. I feel like Zeus would be a real, just like sleep with your girlfriend type. You know what I mean? (laughs) They all have issues, as it turns out. <laughs> Not surprised. Yeah. Not surprised by that at all. But the what Poseidon did to, to oh I fuck I forgot her name. What's her name? That one. That's the Gorgon. That's Medusa. Oh my God. Yes, thank you. It was the curly. It was like doing your hands like a curly motion. Yes. That yeah. So wasn't I doing that the other day with binoculars? <laughs> I was like, you know, that was things and and i was like motioning binoculars she's like binoculars and i was like yeah that's it (laughs) anyway sorry go on it's it's just really cool how even after you you beat the game it's got hours and hours of dialogue that you can unlock and these relationships that unfold with zagreus and the other gods and also he sort of facilitates relationships unfolding between other gods who are kind of like estranged and he puts in the work to get them back together and this is all built into a video game that's like a 3D isometric hack and slash like fighting game and uh, it's got rogue elements to it and that you you gain abilities with each run through that sort of carry over to the next run through so the game sort of you get better at the game just with your own skill but also your character gets better within the game as you play and um, I can't recommend it enough it's awesome and it's got an awesome storyline and I've put this many hours into it and nothing is repeating. It just keeps going and going and it draws you in for more, even after you've put it down and play Zelda for a long time. <laughs> and then you go back for more Hades and it's waiting for you and it does not get repetitive. And it's, it's awesome. Everybody play Hades. Yeah. Is it's it like an cool. open world game? No, no, okay. no, it's nothing like that. It's a, uh, you go through basically a finite series of rooms and just fight through them and it's procedurally generated which means it's sort of the game sort of randomizes what rooms and enemies you encounter in them so every run 
is different from the last. Oh, okay. Um, you do pick up patterns after a while, but you have different encounters in these rooms and you run into different gods while you're out and about fighting enemies and they grant you powers to use in that particular run against your, your enemies. So that changes every time. And as you, with every run, which takes between like 15 minutes and a half hour, maybe, um, the relationships develop. And then you talk to them back at the, the house of Hades between runs. It's sort of that's there. It's more like a role playing game where you talk to people and see what's going on in the Greek underworld. You can pet, you can pet Cerberus. Yep, cool. Cerberus is there. Fluffy. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Um, it sort of reignites your, like, an interest in the Greek gods as well, because I've watched him play. I've played a little bit, but it's more fun to watch because it's pure chaos. Like, it's, it's yeah. so fast. But they have really cool stylized art of all the gods, too, because, like, the gods will, like, talk to Zagreus. So, like, Aphrodite might be talking to him, and there's, like, this stylized art of her, or, like, Dionysus, or Poseidon, or Zeus. Hermes. Yeah, Zeus. And so it's it's pretty cool. And when we've been, like, when I've been watching him play, I'll look up Wikipedia pages for the gods, and it's just, it's astounding the depth of story that the Greeks created for their gods. It's it, pretty it really fun. is. It really is. So is his mom Persephone? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was yeah. like, and I that's was a like big a part of the story, Hades. actually. Like mm-hmm. the main arc of the story as you're beating the game properly is basically a, the story of him reuniting with his mother. Okay. Nice. Yeah. That does sound interesting. Where do you play it on? I played on Switch, but I think it's on like every platform. Okay, so I wonder if it's on PS3. I don't know if I'd play it though. PS3 I mean, I'm still stuck on. I don't think anything on PS3 anymore. Time. But. <laughs> yeah, PS3 okay. is kind of phasing out. It's okay. Yeah. I have over a thousand hours playing Sims 4. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool how modern day video games are kind of like playing movies. I think that's a pretty neat aspect of them. Yeah, I, it's. It's funny that, you know, like they have all these great video games, but then the movies that they make out of them are garbage, you know? Yeah. Well, that's because movies can't be like 70 hours long, you yeah. know? Yeah. The new Uncharted movie was pretty decent. I did see a trailer uh, for a movie that they're making based on a book called Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And my mom lent me that book and I sort of... She lent it to me and she was like raving about it. She was she was saying, I love this book. You're, you got to read it. You're going to love it. And I it took me like three weeks to start it. And she would ask me periodically, have you started that book yet? And I was just sort of like, it was, it was on like the Reese Witherspoon book list. And I was thinking like, I don't know if this is going to be my thing, but it's such a good book. I is started it? reading it and I thought, I'm just going to read it because she keeps asking me about it. So I just, I have to just do it. And it sucked me in and I think I finished it and like, three days you know it was it's real it's a really really good story um so i'm interested to see what they do with it uh taylor swift did an original song but i don't know i don't know if it's going to be a great movie but it's a great story it's a great book there's there's just so many movies out there where they're like the you know the adaptation of it of the book or whatever is just like what did you only read the back of it (laughs) do you know yeah yeah, they should yeah. make a movie out of the Harry Potter books. <laughs> they, one, should. they should make one movie out of the <laughs> Harry Potter one. books, two I hours think. long, and then that would it would probably think be amazing. It would be. Can you imagine? 
they'd be like here's the thing he goes to hogwarts okay he (laughs) i'm waiting (laughs) he goes to uh the woods yes dances with hermione yep (laughs) and then he defeats dumbledore there there you go not dumbledore Dumbledore. voldemort (laughs) whoever yeah someone's getting defeated it's gonna be we're gonna wrap it up in two and a half hours someone's gonna die that's right they should do it they should try to do it on a speed run and see if they can make it happen Mm -hmm. i mean they could do every scene could be like two minutes long and they could just shove it all together and like do speed talking Mm -hmm. like hey did you put your name with the guy And Hermione aggressively cheating on Ron. (laughs) With Harry, they were only dancing. (laughs) Can you imagine Hermione's eyebrow movements at 1.5 speed? (laughs) (laughs) Be like uh, hummingbird wings. (laughs) Yep. Yes, I love it. Oh, Mike and I watched something pretty good the other day called The Late Shift. Yeah. Oh. Have you ever heard of it? It's from you wouldn't maybe. have maybe oh it's from like what like two thousand is it a horror three movie? or four no okay I'm not. thinking of Last Shift which I was very surprised that you'd watch that because it's a horror movie um that one's pretty good actually when when was 96. it nineteen ninety six it's about the story of how the Tonight Show ultimately went to Jay Leno but in like the interim before Johnny Carson retired it possibly was going to david letterman or jay leno oh. and it's not a documentary it's, okay. a, it's a it's like a reenactment fictionalized okay. story what's the the guy who plays david letterman what's his name again john michael higgins john michael higgins he's in like um sounds kind Christopher of familiar Guest movies john michael higgins and i don't know the guy who played jay leno daniel roebuck is his name and i have no idea on him either okay i think john michael higgins is been in a lot of stuff yeah. in the last like 25 years. Wait, what's it called again? The Late Shift. The Late Shift. And Kathy Bates is in it? Oh, I know John Michael Higgins. Mm. He was in Arrested Development. He was in Community. He's in a ton of stuff. Okay. And I always go, hey, it's that guy. Yeah, so, well, now you know his name. Yeah, John Michael yeah. Higgins. And uh, Bob Balaban was in it. Interesting. And Mike, didn't you say you got it just, it was like the DVD was on sale and you bought it sight on scene or something? Yeah, it was when like blockbusters and everything were shutting down and having oh, shit, going so out of business sales. And I, I found it there just clearance, everything clearanced. And I just bought anything that looked interesting. And I'd never heard Done of that. it. I feel like I'd never heard anybody talk about it since I bought it. And I'd only watched it the one time when I bought it. And then uh, Samantha and I were looking at our my DVDs. And I said, we should watch this because I've only watched it once and I liked it, I think. And I think it's an interesting topic. And it was like better than I remembered. And I was happy that Samantha liked it. It was yeah. it's pretty interesting. It's like bang, bang. Like the pace is nonstop, which is kind of surprising. And it was a, it was straight to HBO is what it was. So I don't okay. think it was ever in theaters. But HBO, you know. Not too shabby. Yeah, no, they had a really good cast. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see the business side of things, like what was happening behind the scenes, how they were kind of stringing stringing David Letterman along, but not totally stringing him along because they weren't totally sold on Jay Leno, but Jay Leno had a really good agent. And it was like, I didn't really even know that there was such a big war between the two of them. I mean, the two of them got along just fine, but there was like a war between like, the executives and and the the TV stations and everything and it was really fascinating to see how like who runs 
who runs it really you right. know yeah. yeah and now so. they're both like super successful men so yeah i know jay leno's retired but is is letterman retired i think so because like stephen colbert he had like a netflix or some oh, kind of yeah. streaming series where it was more of a long form talk show where he would just do an, an interview with one person i think yes i forgot about beard. that <laughs> yeah wow that's anyway, interesting so the late shift I would it's, cra- it's crazy it. what you find out about like you know maybe it's streaming on amazon History. i don't know how you'd watch it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like a lot of crap is sir isaac mm-hmm. newton is one i can think of where i was like what <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the movie are you guys ready? All right. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Well, Lauren, you've never seen you've never seen it before. <laughs> I have never seen it. Before. So I really want to know what you thought about so it. You guys have both seen it, big time. Okay. Mm-hmm. I saw it when it came out in theaters, uh, brand new, before I really even watched wrestling. And it's, I'm just gonna spoiler alert. I really like it, and it sucked me in. Even then, I didn't even know like half the stuff. I didn't even really understand the nuances of it, and I still really liked it. So. I asked you and I jumped ahead, but what did you think of it? I liked it. I I pretty much expected that I was going to. I wasn't surprised by that. I kind of, um, I was, I was surprised that it wasn't super disturbing like all of the other (laughs) Aronofsky films, you know, like Mother was really disturbing and Requiem for a Dream. Mash with the, (laughs) was it Necro? Noah. (laughs) You didn't know it? I didn't know he did Noah. Noah Noah was really disturbing. There was an episode of, I think it was Parts Unknown. It was was Anthony Bourdain's show and he like met up with Darren Aronofsky because Darren Aronofsky was trying to find, um, a place to film Noah at that time. So that was kind of interesting to see like the behind the scenes, but I can't remember where they were. Um, but uh, I think that I, I like Mickey Rourke. I can't believe how much work he's had done on his face. Cause Holy crap. He looks like a totally different person. It's insane. Um, I, I think I, I may have had like one or two issues. And I think that was a relationship with, with, um, uh, Cassidy, Pam, and him. Um, I really didn't like that he like treated her kind of like a whore, and then later she came back and was like, "I'm sorry, I reacted that way." I would have been like, "Fuck you, you're out of my fucking life forever, asshole." Hmm. Bye. So I had a totally different <clears throat> reaction. To I that. really like. I got. I was like, "Why are you coming back and apologizing to him? Don't do that. He should apologize to you." Really? Yeah, big time. I did not think that. I I thought like if that were me and I was in her situation, I would have been like, "Bye." forever that would have been like an absolute deal breaker for me because i thought she was sort of holding him at arm's length and she was like almost asking and i don't mean this in like a victim blaming sense she was almost like demanding that he treat her that way because she was like i don't i don't take clients she kept calling him a client and everything i mean i i i don't know i i guess to me it seemed like it, it just seemed like a dick move on his end you know what i mean um it it pissed me off really that's yeah we're gonna really piss me off get into this because i actually found their story to be really sad and like heartbreaking i I did too until that point and then i was kind of like when he like was it like when he tried to pay for a lap dance yeah yeah but she was i think he really had his feelings hurt yeah and he lashed out at her because of that because there's a couple things one i think there are there are signs that nobody treats her the way that he does. And right. I mean that in a good way. And right. I'm specifically I'm thinking about the scene where like they she helps him go shopping for his daughter and he's genuinely nice to her 
and he he like stops her from looking at the clothes just to say, "Hey, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it." And I she, know, I really like that. And it's it's so sweet. She she looks she smiles at him and said, "It's no problem." And then she looks away and she keeps smiling at the clothes that she's looking at, and it's really sweet and subtle. And I think there was something there, like he said. But then when she, like Sam said, is holding her at arm's length, um, he doesn't want that. But she chalks it up to, you're, you're a client. And I think that sort of hurt his feelings. Like, that's all I am as a client? Like, we sort of connected, I thought. And yeah, he, they were making out. They were like, there was some making out she between them. She definitely kissed him back. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. Like, there was, yeah, they were, yeah, <laughs> 100%. And I, I think he he overreacted for sure mm-hmm. but big time i think it was a spat i don't think it was an unforgivable thing i i wish when she did double back i don't have a problem with that but i wish that he had said you know what i'm sorry too i was kind of a dick yeah yeah but yeah that, i had that, an issue but that he did not apologize like he was like oh it's okay and i was like um you want to say something too ram what's going on you know like whatever yeah what were you saying oh just that that's that's a tweak though for me. I still think it was okay because I think his feelings were hurt. And um, yeah, I can I can see it from your guys' perspective for sure. I I guess I guess if I was maybe put in that situation, I might feel differently about it, you know. But from my perspective, I was kind of like, all right, go fuck yourself then. Bye, you know. I was I was pretty pissed for. That's her. how he felt. Hmm. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. That's how he felt. Right. Because he he thought that he had... Basically, she was kind of like, almost like a work friend. You know, like somebody you'll deal with at work and they're friendly. She knows a little bit about him. But outside of work, it's just "Eh," off limits. They finally got something to click outside of work and she shut it down. And he was right in that they were clicking. Right. Because she came back. Yeah. She felt it too. And she... Because she did come back, you know. Um. So I don't know. I it was harsh for sure, but it was it was meant to be, and he felt like you are you're only doing this. He what he says to her. I actually watched it back with the I had to turn on subtitles to pick everything up, and he yeah, said, like, <laughs> yeah. take take my fucking money and pretend to like me." That's yeah. how we felt. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's it, pretty. That that sucks. If yeah, you know, yeah, but. I felt like in this viewing, maybe more than a, any other viewing, was that him and her were almost like in the same business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both too almost like they're both kind of too old for the work that they're doing. And they're only appreciated for like this much of themselves when they're so much more than that. Right. Because she was walking around the bar and everybody was like turning her down for lap dances and in earlier in the movie some young guys were insulting her because they were calling her old and everything and um, i love how he like he went in there and he was like no 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 no, no. you're not gonna you know yeah talk to her like that and i was like yes and uh and then that's when she decided to to go out with him you know like i wouldn't call it a moment of desperation because i do think they were clicking because she was like genuinely happy to see him when he would come to the bar and they would have deep conversations when she was giving him a lap dance yeah but but i think she she was holding him at arm's length because probably she's i'm guessing as a stripper like you you know you have to do that you don't get involved right yeah and and so you have to 
compartmentalized. Right. And so she sort of like, in not desperation, but maybe in a moment of vulnerability, was like, here's this person who actually cares about me and I'm walking around trying to find guys who couldn't give a shit if I'm here or not. Right. And so she decided to go out with him and I really loved, she pulls up, so he's standing there because he's kind I think he's kind of like eager and he's been waiting there and she pulls up and she has earbuds in so she's already like still she still has yeah. the wall up yep. and he says like oh you're beautiful or something and she's like what she pulls the headphones out so it's like the whole time it's this dance and then like mike said he kind of breaks through because she like smiles and she and i think she was really endeared by him like picking up that hideous jacket because then she eventually was like go with your gut man i know it was and yeah he's like it's an s for what was it? stephanie stephanie, stephanie. Yeah, yeah yeah an s for stephanie i was like no don't get it don't get it don't he's, please he's don't looking get at it. the jacket and she's you, you could tell she's really skeptical about yeah. this idea and in that there's a moment of silence and he goes perfect yeah <laughs> I know. It's like this hideous, like, satiny lime green jacket. (laughs) Like, it was just the worst thing I've seen. And, like, I don't know. I think it's pretty rock and roll. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, I think that's when she's like, suddenly, like, the facade is broken and she's like, it, like amused by him yeah. and I like and that then he did buy it though and give it to Stephanie <laughs> I thought that was kind of cute he's like just not your real present but here's your and that real that was present. a surprise for the audience because we didn't know I thought they put that back and he just went with the peacoat yeah, but yeah. no he got, yeah. both. He got both also outside of the shop when they left I think it was endearing how uh, she told him I've got a kid and he showed interest and, yeah. and yeah. he ran to his van in his floppy boots <laughs> and says, hold on. And he gets her his action figure from 20 years ago and says, this is Randy the Ram action figure. Because your son can have it. And I think she was kind of moved by it. Mm-hmm. Like, Ram he, was he, like strangely adorable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I really liked his. I really liked. I like Mickey Rourke. Um, everything I've seen him in, I've liked him in. But I was talking to my mom about him, or I was talking to my mom about the movie, and I was like, "Oh, it's with Mickey Rourke," and she goes, "Oh, I don't like him." Really? <laughs> yeah. Did he? Did she meet him once? And he was a real jerk. <laughs> no. She's like, I've just seen so many movies where he's a creep, and I was like, really? I've like. I saw that one movie that I was telling you about with Bella Thorne, um, which I can't even remember the name of, but uh, it was maybe called Girl. But anyway, um, he was in Iron Man 2. He was the villain. Oh, that's right. He was in that. He, yeah. was, he really liked never his bird. S- I did not see Iron Man 2 or <laughs> Iron Man 3. The bird, yeah. yeah. But um, I liked him in Sin City. Oh, yeah. I forgot it was about Marvin Sin City. Marvin Sin City, yeah. yeah. And I re- I, that was the first thing I'd ever seen him in. And I remember being like, man, I love Marv. You know, I love Marv. But um, yeah, I, he looked vastly different in that because he had like a ton of those uh, oh, prosthetics. prosthetics. That, oh, yeah, big time. I've only yeah. seen that movie once when it I first haven't. came out. It's, I'm wondering, I was actually talking to someone. Well, I have like a Reddit buddy that I talk to like every other day. He's just like some random guy that I just started talking to on my birthday and I don't even know his name because um, I just kind of do that sometimes where I just meet someone on the internet and just come friends with them and um and i was talking it oh, i totally just lost my train of thought are you kidding me i just lost my train of reddit thought. buddy mickey rourke the wrestler sin city prosthetics sin city, that's right yeah yeah okay we were talking about sin city were you just doing we didn't start the fire <laughs> <laughs> the the missing verse <laughs> leonard burst no wait that's uh rem what <laughs> we didn't start the fire is what is the frequency spring scene <laughs> no, we didn't start the fires, Billy Joel. Oh. I quoted "It's the end of the world as we know it" when I said Leonard Bernstein. 
They say Leonard Bernstein in that? You're thinking of R.E.M. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what she's just saying. <laughs> I'm so confused. What's happening? Okay. I think I like one of his songs. Leonard Bernstein? He did the... Um, Marianne. No, that's what I'm calling. That's what I'm calling. No, Leonard Bernstein's a, a composer. He remember remember I sent you that song that was um, Adagio, Adagio for string. For string. <laughs> yes, I yes. remember that. Do that thing where you repeat what I say right after I say yeah. it, so it sounds like you. That's him. Yeah. That's him. That does, was he like a movie composer? No, uh, I don't. I don't think so. But oh. remember, you said that he looked like my dad. Yes. Oh yeah. That's him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's him. Yeah. That's him. Oh. I'm pretty sure. I think so. Anyway, can't remember what we were talking about. Um. Oh, your Reddit buddy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. Ju- it's gonna be worth it. It's totally gonna be worth it, <laughs> guys. Are you ready for this? Is ready. Okay. All I was saying was that I used to like that movie a lot when I was younger, but I don't know how I feel about it as an adult. Oh, yeah. I think the Jessica Alba storyline is pretty weird. Well, in and Sin like, City. like he, like Bruce Willis, like kills himself after, like it's gonna keep her safe. But it's I'm weird. Like, so they know. can just. It's come after her even harder now because you're dead. Yeah, I'm gonna come after her even harder now, <laughs> now that Stop you've died. Dating I'm gonna... <laughs> my mother. I'm gonna date her even harder. What is that from? It's from The Office. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe it was from um, what's an Andy Samberg movie that you love with uh, Oh Hot Rod? Yeah. <laughs> Me? I mean, it's there's probably a similar theme there's, in it because like he hates that... his stepdad. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "You're the devil." Yeah. <laughs> made me laugh so hard i love that movie i was i saw that movie in theaters with my mom and it was a pretty full theater and i was most of the time the only person in the whole theater laughing yeah anyway Um, i i mean that's what i i laughed at a couple parts of the batman and i was the only damn one in the theater fucking laughing and i was like comedy yeah yeah (laughs) i don't know about you guys that movie's hilarious (laughs) Yeah, so anyway, um, I feel like we kind of like, (laughs) we went the long way around, but Mike, what do you think of The Wrestler? Oh, yes, I didn't even ask you. (laughs) Yeah, I I really like it. I would assume so, because you recommended it. I didn't, I did not see in the theater. I don't remember when I first saw it, but uh, I think I may have, I think it's one of my movies that I own that I bought without seeing, just based on like what little I'd heard. And I kind of like that risk of just jumping in and like, I own this now. And I, one little thing that's changed for me is that when I first saw it, I always liked it, but it felt to me after my first viewing, like, this is a a good movie. It's thought provoking, but I don't know. It's not the easiest thing to watch because it's kind of grim. Wait, were you into wrestling when you originally saw it? Yeah. You were? Okay. Because I, I thought it's kind of a grim movie. It's kind of a dirty movie. Yeah. And it's big sad. Time. Um, yeah, big time. There's multiple sad storylines in it. But I've pretty much watched it twice in the last week, like preparing for this. I watched it once sort of casually, and then I watched it again last night taking notes. And regardless of those things, and I, I think they're still true, I, I think it really pulls me in. Like, it's hard to turn away from it. Like, it feels like the the sort of movie where even if you own it, if you were flipping through channels on cable or something and it were on, you'd be tempted to just leave it there. I've because done that, it, it's so, for sure. It's like a captivating yeah, movie. big time. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too. I think it's... Um, 
there was like definitely like I was I was holding my my hands like in front of my eyes a couple times because I was like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? <laughs> I was like, no. Um, but I I kind of like I mean, is it is it really accurate to like what like wrestling is like? Because I was so surprised that they like were talking back and forth about what they wanted to do. Before they got into the ring, he's like, okay, you do this, and then I'll do this, and then we'll finish off with that. And I was like, whoa, oh, okay. Like, I, I was I was like, this is more like a play, almost, like a choreographed play than anything else. And I was I was incredibly surprised, because they were, and they were all, like, friends with each other, too. They're all like, hey, man, it's been great to see you, and I'm so happy to, like, fight you today. And I was just like, whoa, all right. So, I, I don't know, I was... I actually wrote that down because I wanted to know if Mike knew how much they plan things out like that or... Yeah, you're the resident expert. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I definitely don't want to proclaim that, but I do think in a population of general moviegoers, I probably have an above average, like, knowledge on that topic. And I think it's pretty accurate. This, um, the movie has drawn praise from multiple prominent pro wrestlers Mm. like real life pro wrestlers um for how things are depicted uh it is totally factual that wrestlers get together and go over things beforehand because it is you can't especially if the match is going to be longer than like five minutes Mm -hmm. you need some sort of plan otherwise like you need an ending point you know right so i think what's pretty common is that the wrestlers will get together and sort of put together bullet points for things they want to happen in a match in an order. But apart from those bullet points, matches are largely improvised, kind of like playing jazz or dancing with somebody. So it's predetermined for sure. It's not so much fake as it is predetermined its outcomes. And I think your comparison to more like a play is really good. Like it's, it's live action entertainment, right? It's a performance by professional athletes and it's an art form, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, they they have to plan out what you'd call the big spots uh, so that they're on the same page for those things. But if you get two guys, even if they've never met before, but are experienced and had quality training, they could get in the ring and do a match, and it it would look like they'd rehearsed it. But I think there's just motions that they go through. And also they they communicate in the ring during matches. Right. It's pretty subtle. Um, You can sometimes notice it even on... WWE current programming, which is like the sort of the, the pinnacle of the business right now. And you can, it's always novel when I notice that happening in the ring. So there's communication in the ring to, it's, it's like a blip. Like if, if you hadn't watched like for an years, Easter egg. yeah, you might, you might not notice it, but for them, it probably spells out the next 10 minutes of the match. It's a, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible. I don't, I don't understand how they do what they do, but yeah sometimes he'll he'll point it out to me he'll be like oh they were just communicating right there and all it is is like one of the wrestlers with long hair might be leaning forward and his hair might be in the waist you can't even really tell but there's like just a long enough pause where he probably did say like i'm gonna go on the top rope and do blah blah blah," or whatever you know so it's pretty interesting it's crazy it's so violent (laughs) oh and there's one other thing i wanted to say about the depiction about it being is it realistic does it reflect pro wrestling and one criticism that it drew, I think from Bret Hart, who is one of the biggest and best professional wrestlers of all time, said that it's kind of problematic, like how rough the Rams' life was, because 
while some wrestlers face that sort of thing, they all don't. And they don't want the audience to think this is what it is to be a pro wrestler because that's not the path of every pro wrestler. It's just the sad path of a pro wrestler. Right. You know, so it if that's the only thing you ever see about pro wrestling, you might get the, the wrong idea about it. Um, also, there's been kind of a mega paradigm shift with pro wrestling, like from the 1970s and 80s to the 2020s it's nothing like it used to be like it's it's a lot more cleaned up and steroid use i think still happens but it's like overseen by doctors copious amount of drugs that he was (laughs) buying from that guy by a drug dealer wrestler yeah 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 he's like i got this this this." i was like oh my god party (laughs) hey uh if you want to bulk up at this party (laughs) yeah Yeah, all that stuff none of that was recreational none of that stuff was recreational it was all just to bulk up yeah it was like yeah that's crazy yeah he was he was enormous in that i actually like googled it like i was wondering how big like tall he was he's only five foot eleven but I thought he was like six foot five. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I was they like, they did a good job. They made yeah. him seem like something. I actually wrote in my notes was that he seemed too big for his house. Like he lived in a trailer, yeah. and he just seemed like he like. And I think that that added to the discomfort of like he didn't really fit anywhere, right? Except for in the wrestling ring, and like. And I thought that that was really creative and kind of subtle almost because trailers are kind of just generally smaller. But he really looked too big for his house like he was standing at the kitchen sink and like the window seemed like it was like i don't know it just it was really well done like he just yeah was like always a fish out of water yeah and he he looked enormous compared mm-hmm. to everything else around him and and you know i mean i'm five foot seven so he's not that much taller than me like four inches you know well i mean i guess it's kind of a lot but you get what i mean you get what i'm saying i mean i'm five foot three so he's not that much just a little he's so tiny <laughs> <laughs> just a little. <laughs> I had a Muppet voice, but my parents sent me to speech therapy. So. <laughs> a voice. Yeah. I have another note that sort of ties into that that point about the sort of being out of place in the world that he lives in, and it's a lot to do with the sound design, I think. And basically, anytime he's doing anything, he's always sort of like grunting and groaning, and he's deep exhalations. Like mm-hmm. every normal movement is a chore for this guy mm-hmm. like just sort of <clears throat> and that's just like getting out of his van or whatever <laughs> yeah and like that's a real thing for wrestlers who were on the road for years took a bunch of painkillers and christ knows what else <laughs> and uh, then their body pays for it when they're 50 oh yeah big time yeah it's like professional football players uh, my, so I have a cousin and her husband works with professional football players. He's like a, um, I don't know, like an agent for them and they will not allow their son to play football. They're like, no, it will destroy your body. Wow. Yeah. Geez. So they're like, you can play like baseball if you want, but you can't play football because I mean, you're like 40 and your knees and your back are destroyed. Like they're so fucked up and it's just and concussions and everything. Yeah. And yeah. You know, oh God, the amount of concussions. I mean, you know, it's and concussions are, or brain damage is associated with violence, domestic violence. So there's a lot of that. Like, you know, it's 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 running rampant. Yeah, well, there's a lot of that in wrestling. Or at least I a little bit. Um, like that one dude that yeah, killed his family. Chris Benoit. Yep. Yeah. 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 He was one of my uh, crimes of the day on my crime of the day calendar. <laughs> oh. 
yeah there's a documentary about that on it's like made by the vice channel i think we watched on hulu didn't we dark side of the ring yeah yeah, and you they, told me about that yeah, before. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. It's pretty sad. Like he has a surviving son. Oh, I can't I think imagine. He had two kids, and one of them he killed, but the other one survived. And it was really heartbreaking when his surviving son was like talking about when he yeah. found out what had happened and everything. And so and it's yeah. eerie because that son looks exactly like Chris Benoit, like a twenty-year-old version. Did Chris Benoit kill himself too? Mm-hmm. He did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, that's that's a lot of brain damage is no joke. That is for sure. Yeah, it's not something uh, you want to take lightly. I think it's it's interesting and something about this movie to tie it in that I like a lot is because like when you're young and you're in the prime of life and everybody is chanting your name, you think you're going to live forever and you're like, who yeah. cares what I put my body through? You know, this is I'm going to i'm i'm on fire i'm gonna be forever young and then like the stark reality is you're not always in the limelight and you're not always spry and things don't and it's it is sad like to mike's point and what he said about the review is that it is very bleak but i really i really like it because it it feels like a really good example of the fallout of like one day you're on top and the next day you know you're scraping by and and it's it's a really yeah. good story, I think. Well, and fame regard. can be so fleeting too, you know. I mean, yeah, it's like what you said—you can be on top of the world one day and then the next, mm-hmm. you know. It, um, I did actually have a question, Mike, and I don't know if you can answer this, but why did he cut his forehead during the first fight? Do you know? Yeah. I had a question. I actually a, had this in my notes because I wanted Mike yeah, to talk about like, it as well. I was so curious about that because I saw that he hid, you know, the, he, he hid the little razor like on his wrist. And I was just like, I was like, is he planning on cutting that guy? Like what? I was like, please don't do that. That sounds awful. Uh, I mean, doing it yourself is fine because it's like whatever. It's your body. But uh, I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked by that. Yeah, that's a decades old tradition in, in pro wrestling that still happens to this day. AEW does it fairly frequently on its current tv program um it i don't know if you noticed but the storyline in that match that's the first match that randy has against tommy rotten and yeah they show the ram concealing it's like a chipped corner of a razor blade yeah he like cuts it in half or something yeah Mm -hmm. and then he hides that on his wrist tape and what happens in the the ring is that the referee, I think, gets knocked unconscious as part of the storyline of the match. And Tommy, who is the villain in the match, removes the protective turnbuckle covering on the corner of the ring post, which exposes like uh... like the, the metal buckle beneath it. And then he slams Randy's face into that. That's uh, Okay, okay. So he's playing the bad guy by using these underhanded tactics. That's kind of like the your classic res- wrestling recipe classic wrestling recipe <laughs> bad guy versus good it. guy classic wrestling recipe y'all in the story in the match the turnbuckle gets exposed tommy smashes randy's face into it that's the causation for why his head would bleed so if you're in the audience uh, okay, okay. randy's head gets smashed into the exposed turnbuckle and it is bleeding as a result of it and that's getting what you call good heat on the villain for making the good guy bleed. Okay. And now the good guy has to overcome this injury within the match. And I wanted to point out one detail from that match is 
that they did, which is true to real real life pro wrestling, if you can say that, is that when, after he smashed Randy's face into the corner, Randy was lying on the mat, and that's when he starts fiddling with his wrist tape to get the blade out right. so he can cut himself. Meanwhile, Tommy is distracting the crowd. He's the one on his feet, and he like grabs the referee, and he's yelling at the ref and throwing him over the top rope into the audience. And it's sort of like a... Misdirection. A misdirection, exactly. Okay. So the fans aren't watching Randy, because if you just glance at Randy, he's just lying there like this right, on right. the mat. But what he's really doing is suddenly just cutting himself a little bit, and then he'll come up with blood on his face. And it's a whole... It's all part of the show, and they work together to achieve this... Interesting. And you wouldn't see it happening if you just follow the action of the match. So much Mike used to their body. Mike like. has told me so Mike has told me a story of uh the professional wrestler Shawn Michaels who you said he could blade while flying through the air in like point two seconds. He could and, what? Like blading. Oh, like cut. oh that's what that's called. Yeah, because like that's like a really bloody part of your body, right? Like if your heart yeah. is pumping, like you'll just and they'll get like like a face mask of blood and it looks crazy it's really weird it's it's like the most bang for your buck like you can cut yourself there and barring a disaster it's not dangerous um huh. you but you can get the, the proverbial crimson mask if you <laughs> go for it hard enough and Shawn michaels was like basically taking a similar bump to what Randy was taking into the corner on his way to the corner in midair, he he could cut himself, and then when he's on the when he lands, he's already cut and bleeding. Wow, he was a uh, next level. I wanted to look up the photo to show Lauren a photo of uh, is Abdullah the butcher who bladed so much that his forehead oh, has like marks in it. Because I remember Mike telling me about wrestlers wow. who bladed so much that they had scars. So I wanted to look it up and show it to you because it's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, some wrestlers made their entire career based on matches like that, which it's not really my thing. Um, I like <laughs> it in, you know, measured amounts, and I think it serves a purpose. If you use it sparingly, I think it can become a big deal, uh, make a, ba- a match seem bigger. Uh, but if that's what you do every single match, it's a little bit just... Yeah, geek yeah. show and gory, you know. It's a little gory, crimson mask. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty wild. Like uh, seeing it happen when, when we watch when I watch wrestling with Mike. It's I always say to him, "Oh, were they blade?" If somebody's bleeding, I'm always like, "Oh, were they blading?" And he's like, "Almost definitely." Like pretty much, if they're bleeding, they're probably probably inflicted it wow. themselves, unless it's like one of those lucky freak accidents or like, like a staple gun. <laughs> yeah. That scene. I actually think the editing on that scene is amazing. Like that whole sequence. I love it. But I actually like, since I've seen the movie before, I sometimes will turn away. Like when they're pulling the staples. Oh out yeah. No, I 100% yeah. was covering my and, eyes. I was like, Nope. In mm-hmm. real life. Nope. When I watch matches with Mike, I really don't like the thumbtack matches. I think those really kind of gross me out. And even the barbed oh God, wire stuff is pretty. What does that mean? <laughs> Didn't they use thumbtacks? I thought they used. Okay, well, so no, usually they was... weren't featured in the wrestler, but they were there. Okay, I'm pretty sure. So you they'll... could see them just in the mix of all the shit in the ring. They'll have like a bag of thumbtacks and they'll dump them on the mat and they'll make a big show of like throwing someone onto the thumbtacks. And uh, so then they, they get like stuck in their body. And sometimes they'll like, they'll open, like sometimes the, the villain will open another wrestler's mouth and like 
put a handful of thumbtacks in their mouth, and I can't, I can't. I've only that. seen that one time. For, oh, for what really? It's worth, uh, okay, well, maybe that was, that was the one time I saw it, but yeah. I, it stuck with me, and it's that would really gross. Just you saying that is going to stick with me. I got to tell you, I'm like, wow, okay, <laughs> no, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I actually, I kind of wrote down, or I wrote down like one of the things because it was. Like the entire movie, his hair was bugging me. Not because it was long or anything. It was because, no, no, no. I actually loved it. I loved that he had like this long flowing hair. It was very like Fabio. Um, But I was like, is he, I'm like, is his hair naturally blonde and he's dyeing his roots dark? Because it seemed like he didn't ever quite. I did think like there was a couple times when he, like one time he was at the beauty parlor and afterwards he still looked the same. And then another time he did it himself and afterwards it looked like the roots (laughs) looked the same. Like it looked like it was slightly better, but like not really. And I was, and I I was kind of just like the whole movie, I was just kind of obsessing over it. Like I was like, are you like, is he. Uh, what's happening here i'm like who is doing his hair and first of all go back and ask for your money back because they did nothing (laughs) they probably just put like water on there and they were like that's good enough like it was was just so i'm glad that you noticed that too because i was i was like what is happening what's happening here what's going on with his hair it was it was bugging me but maybe it's just the way they shot it and they didn't bother to put in the work for him to look different from scene to scene so maybe he just looked the same but they definitely wanted to capture the work he was putting into his appearance right mm-hmm. um, right big time like yeah, the, the tanning the, booth and yeah. the he has to work out you know while he's taking steroids his pits. yeah and you know yeah big time yeah i bet that guy spends a lot of money in uh in um Shaving cream, yeah, because he probably shaves his chest too. Probably, you know? yeah. I mean, yeah. If, he, yeah. if he has hair, like who knows? Uh, but yeah. uh, I, I did like that he had the long, like the long, gorgeous hair, though. Was, like, I thought he fit. He looked the part really, really well. I it was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. And like Mickey Rourke's face is just so like fucked that it's like <laughs> he does. Yeah, he looks like he's been beat up multiple times. Because he, like, when he was younger, he was very cute, and uh-huh. then he got a bunch of work done. And nope, that'll do it. Yep, I'll do it. I want to talk about the barbed wire match. That was the second match in the movie against necro butcher yeah Mm -hmm. and uh i really liked how the i liked the conversation before the match when necro i really like necro butcher's voice but i like how he was like (laughs) he's like listen listen my knees are shot so please don't go no running the ropes but but then you see him and he's like throwing they're throwing him themselves into barbed wire and he staples a dollar bill to his head and they're like broken glass oh God. but just don't mess with his knees <laughs> and then i'm i'm glossing over it we're gonna i'm gonna get back to it but and then at the end i thought it was really sweet that the ram was or ram was like hey are you okay after that table shot and he's like i'll live i'll live so i thought it was i don't know i think it's interesting that the things that they put themselves through, but also that their bodies are broken down and they they have like reading glasses and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. but anyway, that match is, um, that was rough. The editing, as I said, was I think pretty outstanding because 
you the scene opens up and you you see the end like the outcome basically and then in snippets you get to see how brutal it actually was and i think that that's <laughs> pretty cool but it's really hard to watch well, they, they it do, was hard to watch yeah they do a really jarring scene change i i'm trying to remember if it goes right from their planning scene backstage before the show and then next thing you know you see Necro Butcher on his back in the ring and there's blood all over his chest. Mm-hmm. Like this is yeah, the end of the match. And he's all fucked up. And you don't get eased into it. Um the yeah. editing no. like Definitely you said, not. it's not shown to us in order. And it's also cut back and forth between the match and Randy's medical attention after the match. Yeah. And it's really creative how they how they did that. Like it was a non conventional way to show the match and the aftermath simultaneously. And how like one correlates like they're like sewing up something on his side and then you see how he got that injury and then they're With pulling the barbed wire. Yeah. And then they're pulling the staples out and you see I don't even remember the barbed wire, but I think I was covering my eyes. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's pretty gruesome. It's hard to watch. Like I I don't blame you because I was do- I was looking away for yeah, a lot of he it. He was like doing the stapling thing, and I was like, "Oh no, mm-mm, no, mm, I can't, I can't, no, please stop, <laughs> for the love of God, stop." <laughs> and w- when they were discussing that before the match, uh, Necro asked him, "So you okay with the staples?" And Randy's like, "Staples? What's that?" And he says, "Staple gun." Yeah, yeah, that's how he says it. <laughs> like the, you're right, the way he speaks is really actually. Necro Butcher is a real wrestler, and I've seen him wrestle once. Uh, in, really? Well, I've seen him in person once. Uh, it wasn't like a proper match. It was an invasion angle at a Ring of Honor show. But his name is Dylan Summers, and he's from West Virginia. So I think that's why he's got that oh, drawl. Yeah. Um, and it is it is cool to hear him talk like a person calmly, intelligently. Like a, like a normal level, level-headed person. Yeah. I liked how there's a juxtaposition that happens right before that, too, where Ram and one of his friends are at a store and they're getting like flimsy metal things and they're like joking and like <laughs> yes. the, the shopkeeper. They smash the clerk. Yeah. And so they're doing all this stuff, getting props. And then the, then in that match, it's like, OK, yeah, that's child's play. This is the you're in Ugh. you're in like you're not a kid. You're in kids games right now. And and so I, I thought that that was interesting because. Um, of the juxtaposition, basically. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. Yeah, it was like playful, but then you're seeing like this really. You're like, oh god, they're using a fucking staple gun. <laughs> like the guy's like, you know, stapling what five bucks to his head. I was like, first of all, use a like a larger denomination of a bill. I was like, I was like. <laughs> I was like almost disappointed that it was like a five dollar bill. Like I was like, make that a hundo, okay? Like, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? It's just, and I, I mean, I don't know why I was so disappointed that it was such a small denomination of a bill. But I was like, this is—it's kind of a weird thing to maim yourself nah. over, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. if you're like, sure, a hundred, sure, yeah. But like a five dollar, come on. Like, can that even pay for a Starbucks coffee? <laughs> I Probably I, not. <laughs> uh, I was just going to quote Clueless, but it was totally wrong. I was going to say, I bet I haven't even worked off the calories in a stick of sugar-free gum, but <laughs> the two don't... In my head, there was a, more of a correlation. My, I get it. My question for Mike is, is there a word for... Is there a title for matches like that that have the like just the brutality of things yeah. like that? Uh, charitably, you'd call it a hardcore match, but I think... More accurately, that'd be called a garbage match. Oh, okay. Garbage match. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, why is it called not, a garbage There's match? no wrestling. Um, it, oh. It's just two guys. Like, the first 10 seconds might seem like a, a wrestling match, 
but then it, it just spins out and devolves into this thing where they move from from spot to spot. We're like, okay, now we'll smash these fluorescent light tubes over each other's faces. Now we'll go over here where we have the table covered with barbed wire. Now we'll smash one of each other through a flaming table. And it's just like going through a bunch of props and killing each other with them. And it's a fucking spectacle and it's not really great. I mean, to each their own, you know, some people are into that sort of thing and it is just that a spectacle. And maybe if you have one of those matches on a three hour card, it, sort of fits into the the puzzle as just something different from the other matches, but it's not, uh, I don't think they're held in very high regard in most wrestling circles, but it is something, it is something unique because there is an audience for it and there aren't many wrestlers willing to do it. So there's kind of a scarcity of the good. Right. I was actually wondering, like it kind of seemed, because you pointed out that, Ram seen kind of like staples like he pretty much built his career it seems on wrestling matches that are not like that and then in, in my head when I was watching the movie like every time I've seen this movie even though like in subsequent viewings I've actually watched wrestling with you so I feel like I know a little bit more about it than I did the first time I saw it but I still feel like it was maybe supposed to illustrate that like he was sort of at the bottom of the barrel like it's it's becoming slim pickings where if you want to make money being a wrestler you have to just like the lowest common denominator almost and i'm not trying to like insult those matches because we've watched big name wrestlers do matches that are a lot like that not that brutal like that's pretty brutal i've never seen a match like that outside of this movie but in the movie it always felt like his options were slowly like narrowing and so you have to open yourself up to this like brutal like fringe sort of wrestling to be relevant still or to make money still i think that's a great analysis of what's what's happened with his career and he was like his heyday was in the late 80s right and it they're never explicit about it but it's this movie takes place in New Jersey, like in and around the East Coast. Uh, that's where WWE, a.k.a. at the time, WWF, really had its foothold, was in the East Coast. And they had a lot of big shows at Madison Square Garden. That was kind of like their territory. And that's where Randy's biggest match of his career against the Ayatollah in 19... 19- 87 or 88 whatever it was supposed to be took place at Madison Square Garden which is like kind of like a mecca for pro sports and for pro wrestling and it it's almost like a somebody who was at their peak in the 80s and is still alive and <laughs> the only way they can find to make a living is to keep on scraping by in wrestling and like Sam said what work there is for him is pretty slim and he's coasting off of something that happened decades prior yeah, it's it's definitely a movie that is bittersweet, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then I like that they kind of leave like it, it's an open end. So you, because I assume that I mean I'm kind of jumping forward. I assume that as they were wrestling, that he was having another heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it seemed like to me. Um, I th- I agree. yeah, and I, yeah. I like it. Kind of seemed like it was. It, 
like there's a there's a show called Nurse Jackie where they kind of do the same thing where you're like not sure like is she alive is she dead whatever you know what I mean so it kind of leaves you like the end um, where you're like well what happened and that's kind of like what I feel like was with this where he could have died but he could have lived on and and I think that to him it kind of seemed like if he died in the ring then that was his legend. That was that was you know that was how he wanted to go out. You know, um, it didn't seem like he had much left. You know, Stephanie doesn't want to talk to him anymore, kind of understandably. Um, and and then you know, uh, uh, Pam Cassidy, Pam. <laughs> you know, and Stephanie's his daughter. If we hadn't clarified, yeah, that. I wanted to right, talk yeah, about yeah. her before yeah. we. Yeah, yeah we should other, definitely talk about her. Yeah, really know, but, um, but I, I definitely that's kind of what it seemed like to me is that he was just at the point where he's like, if it, I go, I go, and if I don't, then I don't, you know, but it felt like a suicide mission to me. It felt like he wanted to die a legend. That's that and was he made that I, like super heartbreaking speech uh, beforehand about like them being his family and like yeah. this is where he belongs. And I think the fans, yeah, the fans, yeah. yeah. And I he looked at the doorway before he made that like final leap where Pam had been standing and she wasn't standing there anymore. So. Yeah. I think there's like always a mystery in my brain. Like if she had been standing there, what would he have done? Me too. Me too. Yeah. Cause I think that I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he would have stopped the match, but I, I think that he was, he was hoping that she was going to be there and she was like, you know what? I can't handle this and I'm going to take off. And you know, I mean, it's understandable. It's like, who wants to watch someone that you care about kill themselves via like yeah. this, you know this this really violent sport like it you know so and the sad thing is she might not have left she might have just been right around the corner she just right. couldn't watch you exactly. know yeah so that's kind of like the mystery and the sadness as well yeah yeah mm-hmm. but you want to talk about stephanie i do want to talk about stephanie i've i've other things on my notes that i want to talk about too but let's talk about stephanie because i kind of I kind of feel like we didn't get enough of the relationship to warrant her reaction to him missing their dinner. Totally agree. I I feel like with what she said about how he missed all her birthdays and stuff, that to me it did seem like that was a, a reaction that was warranted um, because it seemed like to me like he was a very absent father, you know? And then, especially since he came to her and he said, hey, I had a heart attack. And she goes what you want me to take care of you because you took care of me all these years, you know? And I, I think that it, to me, it seemed like she was probably just pushed to a point where she is like, either I can wait for my father for the rest of my life to show up and do what he's supposed to do. Or I can just go, you know what? I'm too hurt. I'm too angry and you have to leave. And I don't want to see you again because I like this too much pain has happened or too, I've, you've caused too much pain. So for me, it felt warranted uh, just based on what she said, but I'm curious as to what you guys think. <laughs> I think I would need to see more from her, maybe even like a discussion with the woman that she was living with or something to warrant her response to his missing the dinner. So to to give a quick like overview, he was completely absent, an absentee father. Right. And she, I liked everything about their relationship, like how she, how standoffish she was when he first showed up about the heart attack. And she, even in spite of that, blew him off basically and i get it 
and he left and he talked to Pam and he picked out these awesome <laughs> one awesome jacket and a pea coat. <laughs> a rock and roll jacket. Yeah. <laughs> it's like rock and roll. <laughs> and he's got sh- an ask for Stephanie on there. <laughs> and he shows up a second time and gives her the gifts. And she starts to warm up a little bit. And I think it's on that same visit when they go to the boardwalk or whatever. Is yeah. that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And she really kind of warms up to him. And he makes a really nice speech, I think, about how he did nothing but fuck up as a father and that it wasn't her fault. Right. And she, for the first time in her life, probably felt bad for him. Right. They get to her place and he says, let's go get dinner this weekend. And she kind of agrees and she smiles like you can tell that she she's up for it. He parties too hard, misses the dinner, but shows up the same fucking day. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was a month later and he's like, hey, remember me? It was just that night. And she fucking exploded at him. And if they want to show that there was something built up that was that, that was a straw on the camel's back, and I get that he was a shitty father, but that she was she warmed up to him so far with the few times he had been there, and that he's a few hours late. And she cuts him out. And Wait, are we sure that it's the same day, though? It's the same day. It is? Okay. Yeah. Because I thought maybe he was um, was at the club, and then there was that girl who... That was Friday? <laughs> yeah, that was Friday. And then Saturday was her dinner plan. Oh, so he, okay, he, okay. He got okay, coked up, okay. and he got wasted, and he slept like all of Saturday. Okay. And then when he got out of bed, it was Saturday night, and he had missed the dinner, and he went straight to her place. Okay, okay. And she... I, Tore into him. I, I would take it like he's here the same day. He's clearly making an effort, and he's here telling me he fucked up. But he's here, you know. Yeah, I, I, I think I might be, as I get older, the kind of person that is more willing to cut people out of my life. You know, I just am just kind of tired of the bullshit. And um, while I certainly have, I cannot attest to having a, an absentee father. I have a really good relationship with my parents, but I, I think I'm just, I, I kind of just empathize with her that it's like, at the, you know, you, you've, you've gotten pushed to the point where you can't rely on this guy. And again and again, he's going to hurt her. And, and I think she's just, I think, well, I don't like, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I also think that I think she's just trying to, prevent further pain from occurring you know i i think um even taking into account missing the dinner that his effort in whatever it was two weeks was still a quantum leap above the past 20 years or whatever and i i wish i could have either seen her give him more credit for that or some more reason why like if what you're describing is the idea, I would want to be shown that. Right. I would have, yeah, I I side more with Mike. I see what you mean. I think in my head, it's very movie-fied how they just needed to show that he was totally alone, so they had to cut the daughter out of his life, and they did right. it, in my mind, very hastily as well. Because I think that scene where he comes, because I agree, like, coming on the same night is like, you're not fucking up that badly i mean it's it's you yeah she waited at a restaurant but she knows that you're like that and they're just like making these like very timid steps into having a relationship anyway so 
I think that that scene at her house could have played out exactly the same, except at the end, with she without her saying, this is broken, it's never going to be repaired, with her being pissed at him and saying exactly the same thing until they get to that point, and then her kind of conceding, like, and maybe they have that awkward, like, lean on each other, but she doesn't cut him out of his life. That would have made way more sense to me because... She had her major explosion, she peaked, and then she's like, okay, you know, like, you're not cut out. But they had to make it, they just, they had to cut her out because they had to make him basically suicidal. Right. That's a good point. I didn't really think about how they needed to remove things worth living for apart from his in-ring career. So, yeah, so I think that they could have done if she was going to have that outcome for me, then I think he needed to maybe stand her up multiple times or maybe right. she sees like she's waiting at the restaurant and she sees him with that woman outside the window or something, you know, just right, something right. to be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he did it again or multiple times maybe through the movie. I don't know, because I just felt like it was like she went from like zero to 100 really fast. And and so but I, I get like. I lean more toward like the it it wasn't necessarily like the response that I thought was the best for the movie, but I understand what you mean about like yeah she's had a terrible life like no father why wouldn't she cut him out you know so yeah I think they should have maybe illustrated it a little bit more for well, my liking. I have another uh, kind of thought slash theory as well. Um, her girlfriend. I'm assuming girlfriend because there's kind of like a mention that you might be gay. <laughs> I liked um, that, but that was Ram's idea. <laughs> yeah. It's so who knows how. Yeah, accurate. I know. He's like he. She may be a lesbian. And I was like, <laughs> and I like how Pam was, was like, like she could be, right. but she <laughs> could also just be living with a friend. Yeah. Like, I don't well, know, like whatever. I like that Ram told Pam. Like, I think she might be a lesbian. Does that affect what kind of clothes I should get her? And it's really cool <laughs> and how Pam was, was like, so no. Like, um, we're no, we're, that's normalized now. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, she still wears clothes, even though she's a lesbian, <laughs> possibly. Um, I I think that there may be a an unhealthy relationship with this girlfriend. She was kind because, of like controlling yeah, like, her. Well, yeah, because she's like, oh, he's here. And they're arguing as he's like walking into the house. And then she just fucking takes off like i was like i i couldn't even believe that she did because if that was my girlfriend and like she was standing there talking to the dad that she's had issues with over years i would be like between them going like what do you want like what do you want with her you know like i'd be like i'd be like i'm ready to fight even though you're 10 times bigger than (laughs) i am you know what what, though yeah that might have been a clue for the audience of Stephanie doing a lot of venting off camera to oh, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, to that woman. Well, I'm wondering mm-hmm. if she because like the woman's like... hearing a lot of something from Stephanie. I think right. And that's why she's like, "Oh, you're never going to take care of this." So I, I, I did kind of get the idea that Stephanie had been unloading her right. baggage on her roommate or whoever that is. I'm wondering yeah. if it was also kind of like a, it's either me or him. You know, like either you choose me or you or, you know, like you're going to go back to your father, whatever. You know, I mean, I don't know. It, it's she's a shitty girlfriend. It, if that's what abuse she can like people can abuse for whatever reason they want to abuse. It's just, you know, it's like it's it's like when we talk about like <laughs> I'm like laughing. Yeah. Like can we talk about All murder conversations <laughs> we have about murder? And you're like, well, why did they? And I'm like, they don't need a reason to murder. They just 
you know, murderers got a murderer. <laughs> Sometimes people are just bad people. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I really liked that scene at the the uh, pier. I liked that speech he gave her because I think I really think they did his character really well because everything he did kind of seemed in in line with what his character would do. He never seemed like he was solo like making a soliloquy that like a more learned man would make or something. Mm -hmm. He always just kind of was like stumbling through trying to like he wrote that card to Pam and that was so sweet. And, and, and I think that's why she was extra mean to him because what he did was so raw, like it was so vulnerable. And so the speech he made to the daughter, to Stephanie, and then the card that he gave to Pam, that was like this ridiculous, like monkey. And it said like, go bananas or something. Listen, the card said, Thanks a bunch. And then when you open it up, it says, go bananas. And there's images of the guy, like a cartoon monkey with bananas. And it's like poorly handwritten note saying, like, thank you so much for helping me with my daughter. I won't forget it. Love, Randy, or something. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we're getting back to where we started. And she (laughs) shut him down, you know? Yeah. Like, that's as exposed as he's probably ever been, you know? I don't know how you couldn't, like, start to like a guy who would give you a a I know. He even said... He was, like, gentle, too. Like, for what he did, he seemed like he was a very gentle guy. You know? And I really... I really liked his character. I, I really... I really liked him, you know? Like, I was rooting for him the whole movie, you know? Big time, and yeah. When he, when he gave her that card in the envelope, he, like, put it on the bar, and she, like, just sort of slid it over near her, and he said something like, well, go ahead and open it. I want to see your face when you read it. <laughs> yes. He was so eager yes. and sweet and, yeah. like, innocent, uh, you know? Yeah, there was sort of, like, innocence he, about it. Well, because, yeah. I mean, I think, like... For lack of a, I mean, I don't mean to romanticize too much about a movie that's so gritty, but I think he probably was falling, like falling for I, her. Yeah, I think and, so too. I mean, because they had heart to hearts while she was lap dancing, they and that make out. They sesh. had that, dan- and she definitely kissed him back. Like she oh, was she, into yeah, it. Her arms went around yeah. him. Like she was, yeah, she so, was kissing him back. And when for he sure. had a heart attack, like she was the person he went to, and and I, so I. I don't know. I, I think it was. It, I just really liked how he. Also, you reminded me of something. I'm kind of jumping around, but I had a teacher in high school saying, like, this is probably a very broad generalization, but it always stuck with me how, like, uh, race car drivers don't get speeding tickets, etc. And so I, I thought that that was, like, very well illustrated in this movie how he's a wrestler, but he is, like you said, very gentle. And he's a very good and genuine guy. Like with the kids in his neighborhood, like when the movie oh, opens that was up, so cute. When I the know. movie opens up and the kids are like banging on his van, and he comes out and he's like, "What are you doing?" But he's like playing with them the whole was, time. I know that was so and cute. And he does and then, like wrestling moves with them, and it's well. Then that one kid later, he's like, "Adam, you want to come play Nintendo?" <laughs> yeah. And, and Adam's like, "What is this game, dude? This yeah. is so old." Like, and he's like, "I have I a note know. on that, by the way." Um, Me too. I do too. I liked the the animation of it. Well. They actually hired some programmers to make a basically a playable demo really? of a, a video game. So it was a functioning game, and it was fashioned to look like a Nintendo game, the original 8-bit NES. The game was called WWF WrestleMania, and it came out in 1989. Whoa, really? And it looked exactly like that. Um, but the game that they were playing was called Wrestle Jam 88. So if you want uh, to sort of connect okay. the pieces, uh, the big wrestling event that 
the Ram and the Ayatollah wrestled at at Madison Square Garden w- might have been called Wrestle Jam. Oh, much like in real life okay. we had WrestleMania. Okay. So uh, it's a, an early illustration in the game to show that Randy was a big deal and is now a has been. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, because yeah, his game's on a like totally. Uh, dated platform. Super dated. And even while they're sitting there, the kid's like, yeah, Call of Duty is awesome. It's, it's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was big enough to be in a video game, so he's a big deal. And WrestleMania is a big deal, so like Wrestle Jam being, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Yeah, like the fictional equivalent. I, yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that. I love how um, how bored he is after he has this heart attack and he's kind of listless walking around his house and then yeah he he invites the kid over and that's something that i like in movies is the uh an implied relationship like him and this kid have probably played nintendo before and i think that that's i i I think that's a really nice touch because it's things that you don't necessarily have to do in a movie but i like that they do it well and it also shows like clearly you know adam's parents you know trust this guy with their kid which is a big deal because you know you're you're what like 12 year old son yeah. hanging out with a guy that's in his or he's 60s a, 50s a classic, 60s like <laughs> what they say in germany a classic schlusselkind which is a latchkey kid oh <laughs> schlusselkind schlusselkind yeah i think it also shows maybe um those kids that sort of like hanging around Ram or Adam goes to play the Nintendo game with him, they're of the age where you would get into pro wrestling. That's true. Pro wrestling, that's like when it gets its hook in you. And if you're if you're kind of normal and well balanced, you get out of it when you get to adulthood and <laughs> otherwise you, you keep watching for the rest of your life, you know? But I think it sort of illustrates I have how no idea what that's like. <laughs> It sort of shows how Randy can, like he would have had to in the 80s, find a connection with a young audience. And that's how you become a draw. Because the kids want to go see these larger-than-life characters that they see on TV at the the local arena. And he can still draw these kids in just with his personality at this trailer park that he lives at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It is, and, and, and to play off your point is that like the only people who still treat him like a star are children or fans that have known have yeah. known him since they were children or since they were like young adults or whatever. So like most people in the world kind of probably don't even notice him really or like you know he has this job at the grocery store and his boss is always like he's like I want more hours and his boss is like his what did the price of tights little, go up, you know. But these kids prick. idolize him and then the occasional person that sees him or he went to that like autograph signing and like a smattering of people come in or the people that come to these shows still sort of idolize him. But in, in real life, you know, among his like adult peers, he's, he's just kind of like unsuccessful at this point because he keeps getting locked out of his house. Like he he can't pay rent and he keeps getting locked out and he, has these crazy health problems and probably getting locked out because of all those money he's spending on drugs <laughs> and like 900 bucks <laughs> yeah yeah and on pam which he does more for companionship than anything else come yeah companionship he has to pay for her company come pam come pam me let's just pun it let's just keep punning <laughs> 
spamming. No. So <laughs> I wanted to talk about. Well, wait. Can I say something real quick before I forget? Did you? Guys, I wanted to talk. About, <laughs> did you guys? Did you guys? Have you ever? You've seen Ace Ventura, right? Oh yes. Okay. You re- I don't know if you guys remember his landlord when he like the landlord comes up and he. I goes, heard animals in here. <laughs> he goes. He goes. Yes, Satan. <laughs> the um guy that plays the landlord and and Ace Ventura is also the landlord in this movie. Whoa, really? Really? I never. He's he's on screen for like three seconds. <laughs> I know. He has, he has yeah, one role. I, he doesn't have I to audition Mark anymore. Mark Magul- Margulis is his name, and I looked. That's awesome. I was like, I was like, hey, that's like the that's landlord from catch. Ace Ventura. Jeez. Yeah. Isn't that funny? What does he say like? I'll lock it when I get my money. Well, I didn't even, I didn't even like, I don't think I ever even saw his face in the movie, but I looked him up because oh. I was curious as, I was like, that voice sounds familiar. Jeez. I, she's did, a, I didn't she's recognize the queen his, of voices. Mm-hmm. You're the queen of voices. I am pretty good at it. I'm pretty good at it. But um, what was the one that was like, oh yeah, I was watching The Simpsons and I was like, I think that might be Brian Cox. And I like looked it up and I was like, holy shit. I was Brian was Cox. Was it Brian Cox? <laughs> it was Brian Cox. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I, his voice sounded familiar. The I didn't like, Rushmore himself. I didn't like immediately like connect it or anything, but sure. I was like, his voice sounds familiar. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, hey, it's that guy. So <laughs> I want to talk about his job a little bit. Okay. Um, his, there's his second job with his little prick. Uh, <laughs> Like Napoleon Who complex porn <laughs> at work. I, I like like that scene where he walks in. He's like he's like turn around and, and like, knock what, on do the we door. Not knock I'm anymore? serious. Yeah. Like, I'm, I like how he made no effort to conceal the screen. He's like, can't you shameless. see I'm watching pornography right now? Like, <laughs> I like me. how I like how in this instance, like Ram is the bad guy for walking in on him, not the boss for watching porn at work. I know. <laughs> you know, guys, my old uh, principal at my uh, high school got fired for having porn on his computer really? <laughs> I, do it. just wait till you get home i know i know i don't yeah <laughs> it just that just like blows my like first of all that's like a very intimate thing to do why would you want to do that at work you know what i mean like of all places like porn should be in your own time but in, in your own house <laughs> in the wrestler his boss i don't think was masturbating i think he was just like so taking either. in some pornography like, i the think production it's just, value yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like he wasn't in a compromised position. He, he like he wasn't. He was just he sitting wasn't there. masturbating. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is even funnier. Like, yeah, he was just like <laughs> it, it was, makes. I took a whiskey and some very fine Canadian pornography. <laughs> no, that's from Thirty Rock. Oh, I it's good. Like, like, like kind of like skewed a little bit, but it's from Thirty Rock. Oh, actually, they're one of the guys um, from Thirty Rock is in the wrestler. I don't know if you guys recognize. He was one of the Friedlander. Like, yeah, yeah, <gasps> Judah Friedlander. Yeah, really. Yeah, and I almost didn't recognize. Was him he the he guy was who was like, hat. "Oh, I almost canceled the van." Yeah, I think oh. he's, like, he's wearing the hockey jersey, slightly balding on top, okay. like dark long hair. I didn't yeah, recognize yeah. him without a hat that yeah, has a different slogan on either. it. I didn't either. And then I looked him up, and I was like, "Oh, hey, that's the guy from Thirty oh, Rock." Wow. Yeah, it's bonkers yeah. because I never would have picked him out until I looked at the cast. And yeah, same. Yeah. In 30 Rock, he's always wearing these gimmick baseball caps, and he kind of talks like this, and that's his whole... And <laughs> Frank, yeah, that's his character's name, yeah. And in this, he just is, if you can call him that, is like a normal person. Yeah, as he's, much well, as, like, he's barely in it, too. He's only in it yeah, for, like, for two or three minutes or something, yeah. yeah. He's in two different scenes, but yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I liked... The movie did this really cool thing where he starts, he's starting work at the deli counter because he needs more hours. And it's just like this cruel part of the movie where things start going really well for him outside of wrestling. And he has the audacity to like start being happy. And um, 
so there's this scene where he's walking through the back room going out to the deli counter and it's so cool because it's the same like he's doing twists and turns through this like concrete building he's backstage yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i felt and that they, too they, yeah it, they put like crowd sounds in there and everything and then he comes out and it's a deli and i love the scenes when he's like enjoying himself at the deli and oh he's yeah like, me too yeah he's like serving food and he's like go long go long and then he's like what do you want good looking and it's kind of like a funny looking guy <laughs> and and he's just like he's like really feeling it and he's doing he's doing so good and i really love that i know uh, you know you like, want to get things you for want him. him to succeed yeah like you want him to be happy you want him to have a relationship with his daughter you want him to have a relationship with you know cassidy pam and i'm gonna keep calling her that <laughs> you guys call her pam but they both have kind of like stage the name names. Cassidy, yeah. yeah pretty cool i wrote that That's yeah true, like, yeah he, his name is robin and he always wants to be called randy and she's cassidy real name pam Wait, i thought his name was isn't his name randy his name is robin uh but robin rubzinski or something like yeah that. oh but okay he, i thought his name was randy his name the, is like randy the ram his like stage name is like oh, randy the okay, ram okay okay Okay, because I thought it was as like his last name was like Ramzinski, so that's why. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I thought. Well, I think it's like Randy the Ram Ramzinski or something right, like right. that, right? I don't think so. I don't know. It's <laughs> like Robinson, I think. Oh, I don't think they'd have something so ethnic for oh, the yeah. all American good guy. I think um, that his real name sounds kind of Polish. I think mm-hmm. they simplified his name. Okay. Uh, yeah. For yeah. His stage name with the Ram. I know his nickname. name tag said Robin, and he was like, "Can I get a new one?" And the boss was like, "They must have taken it out of your W two. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah. that's okay. Yeah, I don't. I just like completely the W two. I just completely forgot about that. But yeah, that you just be, don't like I, to think about taxes. I don't like and, to think about. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but anyway, to to mention or to, to add on to his time at the deli, that is like the high point of the movie when this wrestler is working behind a deli counter, making the best of it. He's using his natural charisma that he would have used in his career. And I think, let the record show, that this is also when he's just barely getting things on track with his daughter and maybe with Pam. I forget exactly how the timing works. I think it happens like right after they have their like little date, before she... Before the dinner. Yeah. Okay. They have him and Pam have their little date. Yep. Before he's given her the thank you card and she's like totally sent him packing and before he misses his daughter. So like in the span of a week like everything okay. goes bad for him but it, so yeah. He yeah, he, he's happy with the upward tra- trajectory of his personal life and he also cancels the wrestling yes, date yeah. with against the That's Ayatollah right, yeah. at the Ring of Honor show. Mhm. And He's he retires. Yeah, he he's got the flyer and he says, "No, I'm done, man. I'm retired." And he's happy. And then I was amazed that he didn't have a phone. By the way, I was like, (laughs) "What?" I was like, "A pay?" Like I was like disgusted. I was like, "A pay phone? What is this? 1990?" (laughs) I was like, "Mm." "Yeah." He was like a connoisseur of pay phones. He was at every pay phone. And then, like in the span of a week. Everything falls apart, and in the part like the scene when he is at the the deli, then, 
and he like eats. I thought I was oh my, surprised. That I was woman, like, I she should have seen what was happening. That like he didn't even I, try to hide it. Really, she was watching him. You could see her watching him the whole time. I don't know how. Like I, I felt like he was about to start screaming at her because I felt like I was about to start screaming at her because she's like a little more. A little less. I would have been like, bitch, it's the same fucking thing. Why do you keep wanting that? That like, almost I- seemed like a little bit too fictitious yeah, for like yeah. oh, retail as hell. Like, right. I worked years in retail and there's some shitty customers, but that is like a cartoon version of a customer. You know? Yeah. It was over the top. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because cause he ate one like potato slice and she was like, at last, which well, made me laugh because she said at last and um, and it and, I was like, well, what, what is that one potato slice? And she she could have seen him doing it, but I really liked how, so the next customer recognized him, and Ram is like trying really hard to get this guy just out of the way before yeah. he re- before it, he figures out. Right. And then he figures it out, and that's when like the downward you look spiral. Like, you look like the Ram, but older. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, then he, he like shoves cuts his- himself on the meat slicer i knew something was gonna happen with that meat slicer like the The second that they introduced it i was like (sighs) like the moment they introduced it like even before that whole scene i was like i have a feeling something is gonna happen that was like chekhov's gone you know what i mean like i was like that meat slicer is it's gonna come back into play and boy did it yeah like fucking tore off his thumb like oh i really felt the tension of that scene was really well done for like the for the uh, weapon being a meat slicer it really yeah. was good like the back and forth and the sound effect can you imagine how terrifying that would be if you were waiting at the deli counter and that happened that would be horrific no, I probably would not go to the deli counter again after that I think I'd be traumatized no yeah <laughs> I actually don't go to the deli and counter he, in general so there's that and but. then he sort of destroys the store as he's yeah. leaving and I'm sure he left a trail of blood everywhere too yeah and um and then he just sort of like gets on this one-way trip to basically I think at that point it kind of feels like he's like ready to just be done living I think so and too. so he wants to sort of go out he has in a, a death blaze wish of for sure mm-hmm. yeah. like what is what else is there to live for and then by the time Pam comes to the the show and his trailer oh first. yeah she yeah, comes yeah, to his trailer yeah, yeah. first and <clears throat> I think he's like he's like surprisingly calm and really chill about it he's like you know hey hey yeah 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 you should come to the show but I think even at that point I don't I don't think that she could have saved him unless I mean maybe she would have had to really intervene but I think he, his well, she tried she she went to the show mm-hmm. and she found him mm-hmm. and said no I'm here I'm really here yeah and he he like you said he was already on a trajectory away yeah. from yeah. the real world I don't think anything was going to stand in his way at that point you know unless his daughter showed up maybe that but yeah it was at that point everything was too late um I did want I wanted to say one thing about there was an interesting scene an interesting thing earlier in the movie where he was getting a lap dance from Pam and he was showing her his scars and he's like, Oh, this is at like the Coliseum. So and so hit me with this and then this is and then like the like two scenes later he has a heart attack and then they really like focused on his new scar from like yeah. his bypass and I thought that was 
really interesting. And that tied into later when he was doing an autograph signing where he was looking around the room and just seeing all these broken men. Like one of them is like in a wheelchair. One of them is kind of falling asleep at the table. One is a catheter bag strapped to his ankle. Yeah, yeah, yeah there was that. Yeah. And so yeah. I think he's just like sort of coming to terms with the fact that like the future is pretty bleak for I imagine people like us wrestlers who sort of wrestle themselves into oblivion by making bad decisions whether in life or in wrestling and they don't ever like they don't stay on that high like Hulk Hogan is still really famous there's probably so many other wrestlers who didn't stay as famous as him. But he also had like a TV show. Yeah, I'm not saying like, and I know that he's like had some, like he's an unsavory character and he said some really bad things, but he probably has like continuous paychecks coming in. But the world of like this sort of wrestler or this sort of entertainer, not even a wrestler, just this sort of entertainer is kind of bleak. And I and I, I like that they show like not only are your prospects drying up but your body is failing you as well and i and i i thought that it was really well done in a really sad and and sort of scary way but i'm sure it's realistic for at least a like a small percentage of people in that person in that profession i wanted to talk a little bit about the wrestling promotions they show in this movie and it's a little weird because the movie is some like cross between fiction wrestling and what are real life wrestling promotions so randy's past is fictionalized and that we don't it's not wwf they don't name it there might have been a uh, an event called wrestle jam there was this fictional video game that he's in but the shows he's working now are real independent wrestling promotions so the second match we see against necro butcher the hardcore match was uh a promotion called CZW Combat Zone Wrestling, and oh wait, so they're like real life things. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I. You, if you blinked, you'd miss it. Oh, I, okay. I noticed it when um, after he won the match, he goes up the ramp or up the path, and you can barely see the CZW logos on banners or something. But the the main event, the third and final match of the movie against the Ayatollah, which is the kind of the whole the premise for Randy's what Randy's working toward in the movie is a Ring of Honor production and they they mention Ring of Honor by name and you see the Ring of Honor logos and Ring of Honor is still is a real um a real promotion it was actually kind of went defunct a few months ago and Tony Khan who owns and operates AEW wrestling recently bought ring of honor and all that entails so he's got the rights to the name and its video library and apparently he's going to continue to run shows but my point is that they're real and ring of honor is kind of a regional a regional promotion on the east coast i think in pennsylvania i'm not sure but it's an eastern thing and that meant that they were big enough to tour, and they came to Detroit multiple times. So I've been to three or four Ring of Honor shows. And we went to one recently, like within the last like five years. That's right, because uh, Ring of Honor did a crossover with New Japan Pro Wrestling, where they actually brought some of the New Japan stars here to do autograph signing, which is unheard of in Japan. This is a total aside, but <laughs> it was a real cool treat to do that. That's um, pretty cool. It was awesome. Because yeah. Japanese fans don't get to do meet and greets with the wrestlers and they come here to grand rapids michigan and 
we got our pictures taken with it's him. It's like a the, random part of the yeah. United yeah. States. Yeah. Really weird. But um, anyway, this movie was uh, 2008. And just before that is the time I was going to these Ring of Honor shows. And there was a, I say invasion, and I just want to clarify that it's a staged, it's a work, it's a gimmick that CZW, which is a smaller uh, promotion, invaded Ring of Honor. And that was a storyline between the two promotions. Basically, they, they agreed to work together, and they it was played off as an invasion. So when I was at a Ring of Honor show sometime in like 2006, CZW wrestlers showed up like out of the crowd and just started attacking ring of honor wrestlers in the ring. And among them was Necro butcher. And he looked exactly Whoa. like he does in this movie, like something <laughs> out of the Bayou, you know, like these cut off, um, jeans that are like cut off just around his knees, no shoes, no socks. He's barefoot topless. And he looks like he did. And I have this vivid memory. I was with two of my best friends and, uh, Dan leaned over and said, who the hell is that? Like, cause this one guy, Necro Butcher really stood out to us and Gabe said that's Necro Butcher and I thought <laughs> wow this is fucking awesome but uh so I don't know that's just a fun snippet and how th- they mix in these real indie promotions into the movie with Randy's sort of fictitious past so it's just neat that they gave some love to these these promotions and in particular the the match that Randy attends but doesn't He's not wrestling at it. I think that's the night where he meets the woman at the bar, mm-hmm. and he meets the he hangs out with the wrestlers backstage. Oh, shit, I wanted to say something about the woman at the bar. <laughs> Go ahead. But the that show, that wrestling show that he went and attended, that the vibe and feel of that arena, not an arena really, it was probably like like a gymnasium, a or gymnasium something. or a bingo hall or something. But that was about exactly the vibe of where Ring of Honor would play when I was seeing them. So it was true. It, was really realistic with like the vibe and feel and size of the shows. It's like really intimate show. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking at this DVD. So Mike brought to show us a kind of a novelty, like a ring of honor DVD. And there are like AJ styles, who is a big star in WWE now in ring of honor. So that's pretty cool that like a lot of big time wrestlers start out in these small sort of, Indie promotions. Indie promotions. And then a lot of them, like the wrestler, sort of get, like, just kind of stay there. It's interesting. And didn't Samoa Joe, who he, like, took out your chair? Like, yeah, Samoa Joe took my the- seat at, when the match got out of the ring. Uh, he took my seat to attack his opponent. Really? With. That's so, cool. Pretty sweet. I've been like, okay, I just took my seat. I feel like <laughs> these, like, Ring of Honor shows and stuff like that are kind of like when you like a band and you see them at like a dive and then they suddenly become big and you're like, Oh my gosh, I saw a green day at like a, like an 18 and over club. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very similar feel like in that world. Big time, big time. The shows are bonkers. They, they, they arrange the shows so that when things go off the rails like that, it is the end of the show. So when they spill out in the crowd and start demolishing the seats, that's, your main event you know and <laughs> i remember one show where it spilled not only out of the ring but out into the parking lot oh my and somebody God. did a moonsault off the back of their semi-trailer <laughs> oh my to gosh a group of his opponents standing just mean? on the concrete it's a it's a diving move where you start like this and you sort of flip backwards oh god that sounds super dangerous and land. <laughs> 
with reckless abandon on your opponents who try to keep you from killing yourself on your way down. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to see. Don't don't break your head. It's amazing to see how wrestlers, like you really have to trust each other. Yeah. You have to trust. uh, Priority number one is protect who you're working with. And then number two is protect yourself. And if everybody abides by that, you get to have another match, you know? Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say about the girl in the club. <laughs> so first of all, I thought that that was funny Fire, that firefighter. Yeah, that, that she really liked like a firefighter party, and I was just like, "What the fuck does that mean?" Yeah. Like, I was like, "I assume that she meant like doing." Well, it's a good thing you asked because but, you found out. <laughs> yeah, but then when they were having sex, I don't know if you guys saw this, but in the subtitles it said "imitating siren." Yeah, <laughs> no, I did. I, did, I, I totally did. did. I didn't have the subtitles on. Who was imitating siren? The girl. The really, like her oh, yeah, sex noises. Like, yeah! Really? Yes. Oh my gosh, I did not see that. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so funny. She's fully invested in, in her fetish or whatever. Yeah. I like how she yeah. said a fireman party. She said before that, she's like, my brother used to have a, f- a poster of you on his wall. So hot. it's already like, it's already a red flag. We were like, don't do it, Ram. Don't well, do it. Back at, back at oh. her place, he gets out of her bed and she's in the shower or something and he's wearing like, Aren't those like fireman boots? Yes, yes. I think it. Yes. Oh, really? I, I wonder if I didn't think they were his own footwear. I thought it was like the the specialized boots that a firefighter would wear, like a like a costume thing, fetish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Like he was dressed up like a firefighter last night, <laughs> and she had fight like posters and shit on her wall. That would be pretty weird. Like, like, it's but such they, a weird like a thing they threw in this movie. Party. It is, yeah. I think that they were, I feel in like... the ferret in the cage, and he's like, ah, when yeah, he pulls yeah. the blanket off of the animal cage. He hears the noise, but I think it's, it was interesting to see how how she's like the complete opposite of Pam, even though Pam is a stripper, which is a notoriously like look down upon job and judged job like pam is like this real person well she's kind of like classy yeah too. and like the and, girl that he met was a little like and here's this trash yeah here's know? this woman who it, like you know that it's it's just purely sexual oh yeah and uh she's also like batshit crazy for <laughs> firemen and it's it's yeah i i think it's interesting just to like as an illustration for his downward spiral and how he missed the dinner with his daughter for this woman, which yeah. also I yeah. think, I think it's really good because I think everybody, even if you're not an old wrestler at the end of your career, you still have a regret like that where you're like, I can't believe that this happened because of this stupid thing that I gave my attention to. And his is extreme, obviously. Like, I miss a date or like a dinner date with my daughter because I slept with a woman who's obsessed with firefighters. But everybody has like a mistake like that in their lives. And usually right. it's not like make or break, but for him it was make or break. But I, I do think it's, it was a really good illustration of regret. Like, was it worth it in the end? You know? And so... I would say probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So I have things to say. One thing to say specifically um, yeah. for Mike. Mike, do you have any... Do you have an additional note? I don't you want to talk any. about? This is a snippet. Do you oh. know what this is or who this is? It's Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah. Who played Stephanie in the... Uh, is it? she playing Madonna? Yes. Really? Yeah. 
she's portraying Madonna in the upcoming movie about Weird Al Yankovic called Weird. Oh, really? And that's her as Madonna. I like her. I like her too. I thought she did really well as Stephanie. She looks looks like Madonna in that picture. No, that's cool. So she's in the Weird Al movie with Daniel Radcliffe. Yes. Is he playing Weird Al? He's playing Harry Potter. Big time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's playing Weird Al, yeah. I was about to just accept that friend. I was going to be like, oh, okay, yeah. Wow, that's a really good costuming. Yeah, she. I liked her as Stephanie. She's been in a few things like across the universe not a great movie but oh, god um, don't even get I me thought started she was on that really one. good really good in the wrestler as stephanie i yeah. really liked her performance i think she's good i think she's mm-hmm. talented i wanted to give a shout out to uh the guy who portrayed the ayatollah aka bob the car salesman mm-hmm. uh, from arizona um i mentioned earlier how most people get hooked into pro wrestling when they're children and then they drop out and i did i had a a blackout period where I wasn't watching wrestling and it was kind of in hindsight unfortunate because it was probably maybe the most fascinating era of pro wrestling where there was a legitimate uh, war going on between WWF and WCW and I missed their live battles back and forth on television um, like ratings wars basically. exactly exactly uh, and in that blackout period of mine uh Ernest the Cat Miller was kind of uh, uh, might be the biggest name wrestler that's in this movie. He portrayed the Ayatollah. Really, I and, didn't know that. And unfortunately, I don't have much um, memories of him because I wasn't watching wrestling in the late '90s, early aughts. Um, so, but he's there, and he did a fantastic job. I think. Um, in yeah. That, in that final match, and the way yeah. he was talking about his dealership was really cool. <laughs> And trying to sell this wrestler a car, you know, always schmoozing and had the minimal chat with Randy before their match. Like, hey, you're the baby face. I'm the heel. Yep. Enough said. Yeah. I really like how. And he seemed like a decent guy. Like in the match, he wanted repeatedly, he tried to call the match off early because he could tell that Randy was struggling. Yeah. And, but Randy fought through it. And so I I liked him. Yeah, I like that part. Yeah, because he was like, he's like, dude, hey, are you okay? Are you okay, man? Like, yeah, that was that was rough watching that. I like how you could see that he had something else, like he had the car dealership. Yep. And he was in the, in the match. He was like, I forgot how fun this was. Mm-hmm. And like wrestling is all Randy has, but for the Ayatollah, like this is just like a fun weekend lark. Where now he's yep. gonna go back to his car dealership and talk about how he was in a match with the Ram, Randy the Ram, and and sell cars, and that's how he's gonna make his money. So I thought it was a really cool how both of the characters came together because of wrestling, but they both had such different yeah or like point of views them. and yeah mm-hmm. they have vastly different lives to go back to mm-hmm. after that mm-hmm. that event yeah um the other tidbit um it sounds like we all really like mickey rourke in this yes uh, like his time. character and his performance um he won a golden globe and a bafta for this performance wow, oh, wow. Really? And he got um the academy award nomination for best actor oh, he did well, not he win deserved but, it, man he uh, earned it still yeah a hell of an accolade and um i feel like this might have been like he might have had a break from movies for a while and the wrestler was sort of a comeback for him is that yeah, maybe, right? I, don't I think know. maybe. Because I know I that I didn't City know who came he around was. the same time. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Maybe. I'm yeah. actually curious about that now. Yeah, he totally deserved those awards because he did such a superb job. He really did. I I I actually enjoyed this movie a lot. Yeah. 
And uh-huh. I had um, one last point, and this is something I I was thinking oh, about. Sorry, the- wait. Two thousand five is when Sin City came out. Oh, and this yeah. was two thousand eight, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so wow. So he was before the wrestler then. That's cool. I forgot that Clive Owens in that. Oh, yeah. So one other thing I, I asked myself before I d- even did a rewatch for this was, is this movie just a drama or a psychological drama or a movie about relationships that has a pro wrestling coat of paint just splashed over the top of it? Or is this a movie that is uniquely about professional wrestling and would it work with a different setting? And I thought about it for a while and I think that it is uniquely professional wrestling. And for for one, the attention to detail that they put with all the behind the scenes stuff was clearly done from a position of like respect and love, I think, for the industry. Mm-hmm. Especially, uh, you have to keep in mind that you this isn't the normal for the industry. It is but one path <laughs> that uh, somebody can take in the industry, but it shouldn't be your takeaway about professional wrestling is the Randy the Ram. Um, but I don't think there's, it, there isn't really another profession or sport where you can do, where you're in Randy's position. You know, like football, incredibly self-destructive sport. If you're lucky, you get three, four, five years out of it, and then you can't make money doing it anymore. In pro wrestling, because it's not a true competition, in football, it's not just because you're a football legend. There's not a football team that's going to pay you to come out and play for people to see the legend because you can't help win a real competition. But Mm -hmm. because pro wrestling isn't a real competition, you can work as long as you can stand on two feet. And I think because of that unique position that pro wrestling is in and as a profession, a sport, an art form, whatever you want to call it. I think this movie is uniquely about pro wrestling. I don't think it's just a a backdrop that somebody chose to be cute or to try to stand out among other movies. So and I also think it's key what Samantha said like in the opening of this show, you don't need to know anything about pro wrestling um to enjoy this movie and take a lot away from it. But if you do know anything about it, I think you just get a little bonuses here and there mm-hmm. yeah big time it's kind of like a love like a love letter to wrestling yeah because yeah. i never felt like even though the story is so bleak you actually raise a really good point that i hadn't really put into words until you said it but I, even though the movie is super bleak i never felt like it was insulting professional wrestling yeah. i always thought it was like you like you said a yeah. love letter to professional wrestling and how in essence like ram loves professional wrestling i think there is also like a commentary about like the um like the show biz bug a little bit like once you get the taste of the crowd it's really hard like what you know like there was this this is a really weird juxtaposition but there was this snl skit a long time ago about like neil armstrong and how everything in his life paled in comparison because he's been to the moon like he's he was like having sex with his wife and his inner monologue was like what does it matter i've been to the moon <laughs> and um but i think like this movie in a more serious way was like once you've heard oh, the people boy. chanting your name like you know 80,000 maybe not 80,000 but 30,000 people chanting your name like what else why wouldn't you just keep doing that forever? But also, 
and and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like you, the showbiz bug, but also just like how captivating professional wrestling is and how, yeah, like Mike said, people could do it forever because it's, you know, it's not like football, but it's still, it is still pretty abusive, but. Oh, big time, yeah. So yeah, a love letter is a good way of putting it. And I, I didn't really put it together until Mike started talking about it and how it never insults professional wrestling, no. even though it paints it in like a very violent picture. And the, the only person that has anything bad to say about pro wrestling in the movie is Randy's boss at the grocery store. Yeah. And he's a fucking asshole. Right. Yeah. 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 The guy who's casually watching porn <laughs> yeah. while he's supposedly working. <laughs> yeah. Not ma- he just wants to check it out. He's not masturbating, <laughs> not to get off on it. He just wants to go. I've heard about this pornography thing. I think I might look it up. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's Someone a really told great me it's point. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so it's it is really interesting how even though it's so sad and heartbreaking, it's still I think it's like it's like anything, you know? People have a dream and and people are captivated by something and it 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 can be beautiful, but it can also be tragic and it's it's really well done. Yeah, I liked that it didn't feel like it was an Aronofsky film, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that it was, because I mean, I've seen, I actually counted, I've seen six of his movies, and I have to tell you that at least four of them have left me going, okay, that's fine. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm going to walk one, away from this and I'll be okay. Everything's great. And like, I agree with what Mike said, where like, if this was on TV, I would watch it. And I can't, yeah. I agree with you that I can't say that about many of his movies because they're always very heavy and this one is heavy but it's heavy with like there's like a beauty to it right you know it kind of like it kind of reminded me actually of american beauty it kind of had like that similar like maybe vibe or feel to it where it's kind of like just a you know a guy who's kind of kind of just like i don't know at this point of his life where he doesn't really know what he wants or what he's doing and you know and things aren't going right and yeah it was very i I like an introspective film about um, just about like someone kind of going through it, I guess. You know, I think Mm -hmm. those are really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Would you guys recommend it? Like first. Absolutely. Um, Fan of pro wrestling or not. Um, I also like that they didn't give it a cute name, a cute title, just The Wrestler. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect title. They could have gone in a hundred wrong directions uh cinderella man <laughs> yeah it's a real movie that's about a boxer yeah <laughs> oh boxing yeah wow well. um but they, <laughs> they went they went with simplicity and, and i've it never worked. seen it i don't like russell crowe <laughs> anyway and yes i i recommend it a uh, wrestling fan or not <laughs> if you like uh good movies uh good performances and good dramas watch the wrestler no i actually agree about the title i think the title is good because it is is a story about him yeah. and it's it's really well done and i would also recommend it 100 percent. like i said i didn't even know anything about professional wrestling when i saw it the first time and it still captivated me and pulled me in and i thought it was a really good movie and then i think mike said this sometime while we were recording that there's little nuggets that are like they'll just like sort of come alive for you if you do know things about professional wrestling and i think that that's really cool too because it's not it's not easy to make a film about something that is so it's it's like not super niche because there's like 
thousands and thousands of people who like professional wrestling, but there's also thousands and thousands of people who don't know anything about it. So to be able to bridge that gap and bring both of those groups together, I think takes a lot. And this movie did a really good job. And by the way, there's a lot of, speaking of nuggets, just the backstage stuff is all nuggets, but a lot of the nuggets are professional wrestlers that are cast in the movie. Yeah, that's pretty cool, too. I was going to ask you if you recognize how many you recognized. Yeah, there's there's a few. Uh, Claudio Casanoli was a guy who was in Ring of Honor. Uh, Now he's known as Cesaro. So I've seen him in Ring of Honor. He's in this movie for like a glimpse. Our truth of WWE fame has a speaking scene with Randy before they go out to the bar. Um, The Necro Butcher, of course. Yeah, Necro Butcher is in there. Uh, Ernest the Cat Miller. Everybody in there are wrestlers. And it doesn't matter who I know. But if you like pro wrestling, you know people that are in this movie. And it's cool that they were involved. And the scenes were improvised as well. Like the backstage scenes were largely improvised. Oh wow! Also, I didn't know that either. Yeah. The, the the deli scenes were largely improvised with Randy, really, Ricky Rourke actually working with the deli counter with real customers, Jeez. and that's why they some of them seem kind of baffled with what's going on in a, in a realistic way because they were actually fucking with real customers. That's when, good. When they I shot think that. that like that explains why. I think also that explains why. Ram was so charismatic because it sounds like Mickey Rourke is just that charismatic. Maybe, Maybe. he is, yeah. Maybe. Magic. Yeah. It's magic. That's really cool. Yeah. Would you recommend it? I would. Yeah. I liked it. You know, I, I saw that and then I watched Deep Water after and I have to say that I would I would recommend The Wrestler over Deep Water. <laughs> Not that Deep Water's bad. It's just, you know, it's whatever. But uh it's it's definitely more um or it's it's thought out and it's it's good and it, it's you know it it shows like a more intimate side of this guy's life and and this bittersweet existence that he has and him trying to get out of it and him failing and and it's you really empathize with him the entire time like you want him to succeed you want him to do well so I think that he did an awesome job I loved the cast I. I really like, honestly, I don't think I have any complaints about that movie. And that's saying something because, <laughs> Lord, I can complain. Like, <laughs> have you met me? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I really, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And and I think it's, it was especially refreshing that it wasn't like a disturbing Aronofsky film. It was, yeah. <laughs> I think it was also, just as an aside, Marissa Tomei, for me, the best movie I've ever seen her in. I haven't, I'm not like, I don't follow I'm not like a Tomei head. I don't watch all of her movies, but I I find her to be sort of like this is gonna sound insulting and I don't mean it that way, but she's kind of forgettable for me where I'm like, oh Marissa Tomei, but she's kind I of think the same she way. She really for me shines too. in this yeah. movie. I think she she really does a good job. There's the one movie I think I've seen I've seen like a like the Spider Man movie. The two oh, yeah. Spider Man movie. Mm-hmm. She's Aunt May. Um yeah. And then there's one that she's in with Robert Downey Jr. that's in like the late eighties. <gasps> yeah, early where 90s. she like with like the Ouija board or something and she has like the I'm is it called sure. Only You or something? Or there's something like that. And it's like a cute little she th- romantic. No, I've comedy. seen that movie. Yeah. yeah. And she she thinks he's, he's like her so high school crush, but he lied to her the whole time, but they fall Or something anyway. something like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember thinking that one was cute, so and like super young Robert Downey Jr. is yeah. adorable. So, yeah, but um, they even kind of looked alike. <laughs> they had like similar haircuts and everything. Brother, sister. <laughs> yeah. Weirdness. That's Hollywood loves 
like putting people together that look like they're yeah, related. Just it's saying, a thing. Like, it is a thing, and you notice <laughs> it. All. And once you start noticing it, let me tell you, you cannot stop noticing it. Yeah, I thought she looked a lot like Mickey Rourke in this movie. Big time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could. I almost face. couldn't tell yeah, the difference. Yeah, I was like, yeah. what? Yeah, it was like only when her shirt was off and I saw her boobs, and I was like, "That's definitely a woman." Okay, like, well, it was really cool because we got to see both of their tits, both of their asses, <laughs> yes, both of yes, their faces. Wonderful. Yeah, like, yeah, everything's we, on display. All I it was want a bear all. is a little yeah. bit of equality in my nudity. That's all I'm asking for. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, come on, like, you know, like you, like, show us your dick. Just, <laughs> just really quickly, I love the scene when he came to tell her that he had a heart attack, and she's like. I can't leave with a customer or a client and he leaves and then she goes to her friends and she's like I'm going for a cigarette I can't quit I can't quit and I was like that's like the cheapest like if anybody was actually pay attention which probably people weren't like not viewers I mean in the strip club if anybody in the strip club was paying attention they'd be like she's going out to meet him obviously but she just like did the like lightest like excuse that she could about needing a cigarette and I thought that was a really good performance yeah Yeah, I thought it seemed really real so yeah because if I was one of the strippers I'd have been like all right well whatever Mm -hmm. cool yeah fun I smoke break yeah (laughs) I wouldn't even think about it twice right yeah Anyway, yeah, uh, I think we're all set, yeah. right? Yeah. You can follow us on Instagram, watch the movies. You can follow us on Facebook and watch the movies. If you have a recommendation that you'd like us to do, you could either do one of two things. You can email us at watchesmovies at gmail.com or you can go to iTunes and give us five stars because we're trying to get out there. And you can write down what you want us to do. And we usually put them pretty much straight to the top. It's, it's you know. Um, and, uh, and thank you so much to Mike for our theme music and for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for being here, Mike. Thanks for having me back on. It's been awesome. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Mike show 42 thank you again for having me yes it's been really fun and if you're interested mike also writes wrestling articles for the pwtorch.com website how about that yeah Yeah, it's pretty cool and it's a coincidence sometimes he's even on the smackdown pro wrestling wade keller smackdown pro wrestling post show podcast on friday nights so it is a mouthful (laughs) look out for that if you have an interest in pro wrestling it's pretty fun and uh it's always fun to listen to Mike's insights. I think he's very clever and he does a good job on those. So thank you, Mike. Hey, something Thanks, like Mike. that. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Goodbye.